Hey, hey, my fellow Westorians. It is Saturday. It is Predictions Day. We've only got uh, this one and one more of these, huh? Yeah, yeah, crazy. How about that? That's, uh, that is crazy. But, you know, prediction shows will return for us. We'll have other things we'll, we'll talk predictions for, like the Wednesday Winter. When it's announced, we'll have a couple of months to talk about what we think is coming in that. And, of course, the prequel show or shows, we'll have predictions for those once they come out and once they get rolling. You know, it's hard to predict them before they even get started. Well, not not too hard. Not that you can't say anything. But Especially it's not because a- I expect we'll get some amount of information revealed as Absolutely. it's approaching. They'll, we'll get a trailer and some casting and Definitely. Martin will make a comment and so on soon. But it's nothing like predicting the end. We'll true, be talking true. about yeah, like yeah. what this is going to be all about. Like who are the characters going to be? You know, it's more. Yeah. So we'll be starting that journey from the beginning. Whereas with Game of Thrones, well, we've been on the books for a long time, but we didn't start this podcast um, when the show started. We started a little after it and didn't start covering the show explicitly right away. So that's one cool thing about this whole process is when when it comes back around, we'll have learned about how to cover it better. You know, we're so much better at covering Game of Thrones now than we were when we first started. And that's something to look forward to, keeping those processes in place. So there's a lot to talk about today. We have a lot of predictions. The trailers weren't super revealing. The stills weren't super revealing, which is kind of how they've been keeping it this season, which is... We know know Tyrion's going to be in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) We do know calling it. You heard it here first, folks. Wow, that's a bold... (laughs) They're starting off with a very bold prediction here. Uh, Even though Tyrion's in the trailer... Sean is going out on a limit predicting that he'll be in the episode. Wow. All right. All right. (laughs) This is the hard-hitting stuff you tune in for. We're going to, of course, take a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions and there's a lot of, um, I don't know, anxiety almost about how some of these characters are being portrayed and how they're, you know, how things are going to go down. A lot of expectations, a lot of consternation, a lot of anxiety. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to defend everything the show has done. But one thing we love to do here, and I think that gives us all a lot of value, is we, we try to provide a roadmap on how to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, well, we give you other things to think about that might make you like it better or things that you didn't consider, things that, details that cast things in a different light that have you looking at them differently. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a philosophy. You know, even if you don't enjoy something, well, we have to cover it. This is what we're here for. And we do enjoy it, but we don't enjoy every minute of it. So... But it just isn't fun to sit up here and complain. As truthful as that might be, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, an important bottom line. And I want to talk about two different characters to start off with. Of course, we're going to talk a lot about Daenerys. Uh, patron Stefan says, not liking the way the show is portraying Danny. Do we really think this is how George will finish her in the books? Well, yes and no. Because, yes, I imagine that whatever her ultimate fate is, is what George told them. How they get to it, the roadmap is very different and that's a huge thing and of course with Danny she's a focus she's one of the top two or three most important characters and by important I mean the one that people have the most invested in emotionally and pay most attention to and talk about the most and well that's it's interesting to focus on that but one of the th- like the things we like to do like I said is to bring out these other details and things that get lost in the shuffle where well a character very close to Daenerys that we talk about some, but don't talk about a lot, is Grey Worm. And Grey Worm, well, I'm going to go out and maybe he's on a limb. I'm going to say a lot of this episode is going to be to prepare y'all for the inevitable and prepare ourselves for it too. And I think I've waffled a lot on who I think the, who's going to die between John and Danny. And at one point I was like, 
neither. At one point, I was like both. I never really said John and not Danny. I never. That was one guess I never really made. But now I'm kind of back to my original guess, which is that Danny's going to die and John isn't. And if I'm right, well, that's going to cause a lot of anxiety, consternation in the fandom, a lot of arguing over how her character was covered. But if we go back to how George has intended her story and we think about it, and we think about how people are going to look at it 30 years from now or 50 years from now when this, the story's been out for a while and people have talked about it so long and the and the uh, conversation has evolved over years because people have all learned so much. Her story, if if this is true, and if it goes down the way we think it might, it's going to be seen as a tragedy and a cautionary tale, not as a doing this female character wrong. You know, although the show might get that, might have earned that criticism, but I don't think George will. And that's the difference here is that what we, it's hard to see them doing it this way and George doing it this way in the books. <coughs> and, but George's creativity and master of mastery of the, of the medium is such that it's hard to imagine how, like, can you really imagine an, a, a master doing his, cra- like, can you imagine Picasso's unpainted works? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that, I want to start off with that uh, soapboxing. And, um, Sean, what did you think about that? You know, you're, you've approached things a little differently because you're not, uh, as rooted in the books, but you, you're aware of them and you're aware they're different. And so your take is is naturally going to be a little different here. I do think that um, it's it's understanding to me that Danny is a hero to a lot of people. Yeah, she is. She's overcome so much. Yeah. And and, and let me clarify, because uh, it implies that I don't think she's a hero when I say that. Let, let me clarify. I also think she's a hero. But a lot of people who are heroes also have flaws, also make mistakes. I mean... Theon. Tragic hero is like, I didn't make that up just now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? It's an old story. Yeah, it's an old, right. old characterization. <clears throat> and uh, and I remember early on when I was watching the show, before we even started this podcast, being a little suspicious of Danny. I, I remember thinking it, this 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 girl who hardly understands anything about the world. She not even that she's dumb or she just has lived an awkward life. Yeah, right. Um, well, she was sheltered, she was maybe told uh, really yeah. awful yeah. things by people who were who were yeah. pretty awful. Like, yeah. But she was set on this path, you know, somewhere between her and her family. Is supposed to rule. She's married to this warlord at a super young age. Like, she just hasn't had the opportunity to really know what real life is like, what regular people is point. like. Yeah. From from a young, young age, she's been on his course of destiny. It was also reinforced by actual magic, actual destiny-type things Yeah, things that to, no know. one did. She, actual, um, actual miracles. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, she tells her new husband, who she expects to support her in every way and to be good at it, you know, I want to... Go to my home. I want to do what my family's supposed to do. It all seems like correct this is how the to world her, works. Yeah. right? And so he's like, "All right, let's do it." And he goes out and starts raping and pillaging. Yeah, and she's like, "Well, <laughs> and wait a minute." <laughs> and I don't know, you know, it's maybe it's not really fair to blame her for this. No, like they're going to rape and pillage anyway, but now yeah. they're doing it in her name. And when she sees this, she doesn't like it. And she, but she doesn't decide. Hold on, maybe I don't want to be queen if this is the cost. She decides. We need to wage war differently, you know? Yes. And, of course, everyone is in like, okay, we'll just wage war differently. Like, Drogo tries to do that, but everyone else is like, look, man, this is how we do, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, again, it's just showing some sort of naivete that she has. It makes sense for her to have. I would have. <laughs> yeah, we all would have. <laughs> right? Or more, uh, or even more. Like, more right. naivete. Yeah, we'd be worse, probably. Yeah. But uh, the whole way, 
her goal never shifts. She maybe tries to mature. She learns some lessons. Yes. She tries to do some 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 different things along the way, to, different ways to prove herself. She takes on advisors. All these things she does. She's bold. She's courageous. She ha- she, she does a lot of good things. Reflective. Right. Yeah. She's, However, yeah. she's still hell bent on this mission, which is and that mission is the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. something I was wondering going into this season, you know, when she realizes, oh wait. Maybe it's not really my mission. I'm not. John's the one. I'm not the one. Is she still going to be hellbent on a mission? Apparently, yes. And she is. And it's not (laughs) crazy for her to be because, you know, maybe with enough time and perspective, she might start to reevaluate. But there's a lot of momentum. We got to beat the Night King. We got to beat Cersei. People are dying and suffering in the meantime. There's time pressure. She's been on this course her whole life. She isn't just suddenly going to shed it all. Yeah. Even if she should, it's not reasonable to expect her to. But. When she doesn't, and she has nuclear bombs, it's dangerous. This makes sense to be worried about yeah. a nuclear bomb going off, you know. Yes, so absolutely, it's and like you said, I think it's just this kind of this tragic story. Her 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 quest that has ambition, which I, I've told this story before about. I remember when I read Julius Caesar as a kid. In yeah. my mind, the word ambition was a positive thing. Yeah, it was this positive character trait. I wanted to be ambitious, but when they wanted to kill Caesar, it was because he was ambitious. Like. Why would you kind of? And I realized, oh well, ambitious people it's sometimes much, sacrifice yeah. morality. Sometimes sac- do things for the, yeah. the greater goal. The, you know, all these problems you can see go with being with a hero of their own story. Right. Yeah. And again, if you're, you know, if if you're, you know, starting your own business, you you know, you're, you know, trying to like sell guitars and yeah. you're ambitious and you open up a branch that's one thing but if you're trying to rule the world and have atomic bombs and you're ambitious like uh. yeah if you're trying to burn other people's guitar stores for so yours can be <laughs> yeah. successful that's <laughs> even if the other guitar store owner is evil that's not necessarily a good deed it's not a good way to get there so, so that's a, that's a really good point yeah. rambling a little bit my point is it, it to me this does kind of make sense it does yeah. kind of make sense that she's gonna that she can't have here. this goal because this is the part that's tragic. This is the part right. that she should never have been doing in the first place. Everything about her is great except this unfortunate, tragic bottom line goal she has. Like that's the tragedy that Viserys and Ares and this whole society told her that this was her birthright. And from a very young age, like like all of us, when we're taught something as a kid, it's hard to divorce that. And she has divorced a lot of that. She's like, no, killing all these people is wrong. Slavering is wrong. All this other stuff. She got out of that. She got out of that mindset. But this one thing she's never gotten out of. And now it now as as um a lot of people have pointed out, she's it's it's almost like the the ambition behind her cause is being exposed because she can't say it's her birthright anymore now because it's John's birthright even though he didn't mm-hmm. want it even though he didn't ask for it technically by that same system that said it's hers no it's not hers it's John's and once she's confronted she can no longer say oh it's been my birthright she has to say oh it's my destiny to kill tyrants which is the whole being the hero of her own story thing like in a vacuum killing all the tyrants <coughs> that's a great goal but she never actually, I don't know that she's done that. I don't know that we can say that she's ended tyranny. She knocked out some tyrants, but she didn't really remove the mechanisms in place. Like Slaver's Bay, she left in charge of people who were not really good people. Better than they were. Better than those slavers, probably. But like Dario in charge over there, is that guy really not going to turn like, do you really think that guy's like, not going to turn dark? You even know, when, not. But. Even when she was there with other advisors that we want to think of as good, 
it was still barely being held together. Yeah. Uh, dragons as an enforcement, and still it was barely being held together. Now she left with the dragons and the other advisors. It's really staying together, and uh, there's a lot of things that even if she's trying to do good and she has big lofty ideals, but I think about this a lot of times, certain certain things that I might think are good or the way we should do things. Yeah. But if we suddenly completely instituted them, it would be just mass chaos, yes. you know? Like, so some some of these things she wants to do take more time to, to pan out and yeah. she's pushing for right now. And it's, uh, and it, the, it's and tough. It's tough to watch yeah. this. It's tough to watch her fail. We've been seeing her succeed over and over again and we want to root for her, but we also see these problems. And I can also imagine that something in the books could be dealt with better because yeah. in the books we could see we could read her internal struggle mm -hmm. about maybe I shouldn't do this or here's another way to handle it. But if I yes. do, they'll think this. We could see her struggle with this. But in, right in now- In the show, you can't see that conflict. Right. You yeah. could see what the, what we get in a show, which I don't want to be too negative, but we see her her acting. Mm -hmm. And and this, by the way, it's a whole other element to throw into here is that she's been hurt personally and emotionally. A lot. Right? A so lot. whatever else, even if she was thinking with more- care and wisdom about the nature of her role in the world and the damage her dragons could do and who should be in charge and all this stuff. Yeah. It's still going to get muddled by desire for revenge. Yes. Which John has, whoever else you think is a good guy or a hero or should be the leader, John also wanted revenge on Ramsey for killing Rick on John, you know, all these other yeah. characters not like, also get mixed up with emotions characters. and everything, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's like, for example, like Varus is a hypocrite about his positions on Danny in a lot of ways. Um, for example, like if he's holding out for a siege, we talked about that already, like, but Varus being a hypocrite doesn't m make Danny a good guy. And Tyrion, yeah. like not framing things properly, and Tyrion maybe being a little bit uh, wrong about how sieges were and things like that, maybe calling him a hypocrite as well, doesn't make me yeah. he's wrong about the, 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 the ethics of killing innocents. Right? Varus being a hypocrite doesn't mean he's evil or wrong either, right? right? You can have, you can be right about a lot of things and yeah. honest about a lot of things and still have a couple flaws mixed in there. Yeah, like if your goal is to like, hey, I'm with those innocent peasants. That's my, uh, that's who I'm with. You know, Var says that is okay. Well, that's fair. Some of his actions don't necessarily fully back that up, but that's you know, I can't disagree with like, yeah, don't kill the innocents. Let's not throw them, throw them to the wolves or the dragons. Let's not have collateral <laughs> damage that we can avoid. So yeah, like if we're trying to summarize this, root for Danny's overcoming her adversity, root for her rising above these patriarchal systems, root for her ending slavery, root for her personality, root for her trying to be human in this story that's just so fantastical. But don't root for her to kill a bunch of people to take the throne. Yeah. Like, that's just, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that, and this is something that's fascinating to me and what makes Game of Thrones awesome is even when it's written badly, even when we don't love it, it gives us this amazing common story we can all look at and talk about, about the morale. It's like, it's like what kids do in America. A lot of American kids, not nearly all, for sure. I didn't do it growing up. But they go to Bible school and they talk about Bible stories and the morality of what those characters are doing. And that's, you know, religion aside, that's useful to have a common story we all know that we can talk about, that we, we know well, that we can refer to as... Um, you know, an, a blueprint for our own behavior or for what's right and wrong. Even though the setting is totally foreign to us, we can still judge that morality, you know, uh, to certain points. It's not like we're judging Danny within the story. We're judging Danny as a human being and how it impacts us. You know, these things matter. These things really matter and they're really valuable. So, gotten a little ahead of ourselves there. We had a lot to say about Danny. We have a lot more to say, but let's back it up and do some announcements and a few shout outs and then get right back to it. As always, we have some photos prepared. We have uh, 
Um, some questions built up from during this t- opening time, plus a bunch of people sent questions in ahead of time. So let's get to that. Um, Flick is a new app that we are using. We've gotten a nice uh, bunch of y'all to sign up there. We did an episode five predictions thread on there, let people weigh in. And we're going to do the same for episode six. And after the season, I'm starting to reread with the show teaching us all this stuff about what George told the showrunners about endpoints and endgames and all that. It's time for me to go back and look and see what of that was actually foreshadowed and, and you know, miss, look for those missing clues and just do it all over again because it's fun. And I'll be sharing my thoughts in Flick. So you're going to want to sign up for that to catch my reread thoughts and participate. A lot of y'all are going to reread along with me. And if you're going to any of these conventions that we'll be at this year, we can have uh, threads for those conventions like Con of Thrones or Worldcon where we can all chat and get push notifications. So that should be very useful. Yeah. And let, speaking of Worldcon and Con of Thrones, there's also TitanCon, which we are going to. That's going to be in Belfast <coughs> in August. TitanCon's pretty small. It's capped at 700 people. So let us know if you're going. And if you're going, you might want to decide pretty soon. One of those 700 people is George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. And two of them are me and Ashea. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, and of course, for Con of Thrones, you can use the, the code HISTORY to get $5 off your ticket purchase. And all three of us will be that one at that one doing panels and hanging out and having a good time. All right. First set of questions. Now, as I said on Wednesday, we can't always do all the questions that y'all send us because we don't do predictions uh, on Mondays very much. So we saved that for today. So apologize to anyone who wanted that question answered earlier in the week, but we're answering it now. From Smurfs, what are your death predictions? Well, one of the reasons I brought Grey Worm up in the beginning, and I kind of, I kind of failed to fully make my point, <clears throat> was that we were so sure Grey Worm was going to die. So all this talk about we're so like being sure about Danny's going to die. There's the caveat: could be completely a hundred percent wrong, and because we were, we've been, we were really sure on a couple of deaths that didn't happen. And and, and to be fair. Grey Worm's death wasn't, wasn't like a narrative buildup, like, oh, his character arc is fulfilled. You know, there's all this foreshadowing. We were just like, oh, he's in the front lines and they're going to kill someone. So that's where we were coming from. It wasn't. And he's <clears throat> in a couple. And he's in a couple. Yeah. Of course. So the other half of the couple got killed. Um, I still think Grey Worm, I still think Grey Worm is likely to die before the show ends. Yeah. And I, yeah, I still think Varys is going to die, for example. Yeah. Like, me too. I, just, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Just the time has changed. I'll say, I try, I, I find myself defending the show a lot. Generally speaking, I try to be positive and I like the show and I want to be positive about it. And I think some of the criticisms of the show are unfair or are easily counterable. However, a lot of the criticisms are fair and yeah. I have criticisms yeah. too. But for how much I love it and how important I'm going to say the show is, I find myself being on the defensive side. When, when people have emotional reactions, negative reactions, maybe don't have it thought out as well, and they want to attack it, I find myself trying to defend it. And and because so many people are like that, I don't I don't need to attack it very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, an attack I would make, what, probably my biggest frustration, especially at this point, is it it's hard to predict because I feel they don't follow up on their own groundwork their own foreshadowing mm, there's yes. so many things i feel like they set up that then they don't do and i i 
some of it I think is like nuanced stuff that I pieced together and I figured it out and so they you didn't maybe do say, it. Maybe you know? they didn't actually yeah. do that, but sometimes. But other blatant. times I see right, it's almost blatant kind of things, and I and they don't do it. I'm like, ah, oh, man. Like I if Varus doesn't die, which, yeah, like well, that would be pretty surprising. Yeah. So <laughs> it doesn't have to be next episode, but you know, episode five or six. So maybe I'm just justifying why some of my It'll predictions be are wrong. Seven. Yeah, <laughs> he got that in his contract. Very yeah. clever of him. <laughs> Certainly, some of my frustrations might be, you know, self-centered. Like I'm, I'm just disappointed I was wrong. But I think I can be kind of objective enough, and I, I kind of know which of my predictions are more stretches or not. But, uh, but, but a lot, a lot of times I think of something, and other people who are more expert than me agree. And the more we think and talk about it, everyone's kind of on board, and it just doesn't happen. And I'm like, what the heck, man? So, <laughs> and at the same time, some things seem to kind of come out of left field like all right i guess that's what's happening now and that also can be frustrating so <laughs> yeah i guess i'm pointing out that i i understand a lot of the frustrations and and a lot of those frustrations make it tough for us to do these prediction episodes very, you know? yeah you're, um, you're right but it doesn't make me not want to do it i still want to look for the foreshadowing the symbolism and to project what's happening and i think i'm not alone in that obviously as thousands of people are watching our our videos about this and other people make their own videos and so it's part of why the show's popular in the first place so good to say um <laughs> <laughs> so uh how about some actual predictions though I I still am of a mind that neither John or Danny are going to die. Okay. That, that's still my default prediction. But let me also say, I'm I just can't see Cersei dying. I just I'm just really? trying to envision the scene. The only visual representation representation that I that my mind can 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 present is Euron. He's the only person I can actually but see not Jamie. doing it. I just why not can't Jamie? See, <sighs> I don't know. I, I I don't say. I can't say. I exactly can explain it why. But one is oh, why, not Dan. You can't see Danny like torching the Red Keep. You can't see that happening. I, I, one. I think they need to show it. I think they can't just show Danny burning fire well, onto if, a building and now Cersei's dead. Well, we no, don't they would see her I mean, die. Surely you know, they can like, portray that. Like the, like guess, the building, the roof collapses on her or something like that. Like yeah. that would be the kind of elegant. Like you don't see the blood, but it's a hundred percent certain she's dead. Yeah, like the emperor falling. You know, yeah. like you know the guy's dead. That kind of thing. Well, maybe he's not dead. Again, I'm not going to make <laughs> a strong. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to make a strong argument against it, but I'm just just saying it. Okay. I, All right. I, I, I won't be like I can't believe they killed Cersei. I won't. I won't have that kind of reaction. But I just I'm, I'm more prepared for denying. Well, what die, about Jamie? You know? Same same thing. I, I think I think he's more likely to die than Cersei. I'll okay. say that. And I think that the way he dies could be a lot of different ways. I I I basically expect him to die in a sacrifice of some sort, whether it's in an attempt to kill Cersei or to save Cersei or to save John or to save the innocent people of Westeros. Like I can imagine him like. Jumping well, on a be, grenade, if you will. You that know? would be the same thing. That would be the same <clears throat> kind of portrayal as he has to kill Cersei to stop her from doing the same thing Ares was going to do. Because yeah. the, the wildfire is still there. Right, still but wildfire I, all over King's Landing. Right, but I can see him being in a, in a situation like, uh, which by the way, like Lancel was. Which, by know? the way, that could be Danny accidentally blowing it all up. <clears throat> yep. Which yeah. Would, which, which would be, be another way Cersei could paint Danny as the villain here. Not know? if she dies. If, right, if the no, wildfire goes off, Cersei's not living, is my guess. Right, but what if Jamie... And Danny wouldn't either. What if Jamie sneaks into King's Landing and gets Cersei out of there? Just removes her from King's Landing and sail off in a boat go. to Dorne or she's something. She's not going. She's she's in this... The game. She's the one who said, you win, you win or you die. She's not that's living. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be an example of them failing to match the foreshadowing if she lives. So I, I will be frustrated if she, die, if she lives. 
Okay, so the, the counter question here from Seth Wilkins, uh, who also wanted to know who, who, who who's likely to die, which we've discussed, but he, he wants to know who is definitely safe, which you wouldn't say Cersei is definitely safe. No, no, no. Um, and you certainly wouldn't say that about Jamie. Who do you think is definitely safe? Or I'll start by answering that, and you can think about it, because I, I took the you took the lead on the last one. I'll say definitely safe. Uh, Davos is definitely safe. I think um, Tyrion is definitely safe. And that's it. I don't think I'm anyone else is definitely safe. With you. I'm sorry. I don't think Tyrion's definitely safe. Okay. I don't. I. I guess Davos is more the most safe character in King's Landing. Well, what do you think, think is? Of. What do you? Why do you put Tyrion over Davos? I mean, Davos over Tyrion, rather. Because Davos isn't the one being part of treasonous talk. Well, Tyrion hasn't agreed to it yet. He hasn't agreed to it, but Davos hasn't been part of it. He's not. That's true. It's, it's just he has no real danger in he that. He would be sense. part of it soon, though. You yeah, he think. might be, but we just have seen we have seen that mm-hmm. Tyrion has had this discussion and is going to be talking to Daenerys about certain things, and she might. Yeah. Okay. I'm more worried about Tyrion than Davos because of that. One thing I'm certain of is that, and people are worried about. And I don't think they should be worried about, but, you know, to each his own, is that John will kill Danny. That is just so not going to happen, in my opinion. That's super, super unlikely. If someone kills Danny, it'll be herself, like, not intentionally, but, you know, the wildfire scenario or her just, like, going too far, getting, you know, losing it in battle. Um, but, yeah, John doing the deed himself? No. Maybe doesn't, maybe even, yeah. I thought of the another person really I think so. that's safest and that is not in King's Landing yet, but will be, I guess. Arya. Yeah. I don't think she's going to I don't die. think Arya dies either. I don't think there's any chance Arya dies. But she's just on unlikely. her way to King's Landing, so I'm going to yeah. count her among the King's Landing characters, whereas we wouldn't count Sansa or Pod or Brienne or something. Does Sandor get to live after killing his brother, or does he... I think he dies, too. ...fail, or they both die? I think he dies. I don't think he fails, but both dying, maybe. Yeah, I think he dies. Okay. I think he dies, yeah. Okay. So we haven't named a whole <laughs> lot of characters we think are safe. <laughs> I mean, if you yeah. go back to... Like Winterfell, like Sansa, Sansa's totally safe in my opinion. Like, there's no chance he dies unless Tormund comes after John to like part of some rescue. He's yeah. safe too. I you generally know? speaking do think that the characters that stayed north or whatever are yeah. safe. The question was King's Landing <clears throat> specifically. Right. So yeah, I, I'll tell you though, I don't necessarily even think that Davos is safe. Okay. Um. Although, let, let me let me like argue back and forth against myself. Okay. <laughs> Going back to the Red Wedding, I, I felt like. Leading up to the Red Wedding, they gave us some more time with uh, Talisa, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I feel like they did that to to make it more tragic when she got to killed. To rip her heart Give her later. more, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of what I thought was happening with Brienne, right? Okay. That's why I so was so sure that Brienne was going to die. You know, that the, the fact instead, that they, they got a different kind of heartbreak. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she lives, but she's been, you know, jilted or whatever. But, but my point being that it makes sense that the character's that it would be most heart-wrenching to die are the ones that would die, you know? I they, guess. You didn't think of Caitlyn as a while. Right, right. Well, that's what I'm going to say. It's like earlier on. Yeah, earlier on. <clears throat> Caitlyn's not charging into battle. She's not in harm's way. She doesn't deserve to die. So you don't think she's going to. And holy crap, she does. And so now you start, well, anyone could. And you're like looking for hints that someone might die. And one hint is that they charge into battle. But another hint is that you really care about them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you really cared about the, 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 almost the more righteous they are. It's almost like a target on their back. Oberon, you know? Like, yeah. Um, so that makes you feel like Davos would be one of the most heart-wrenching characters to die. And he's heading into battle again. Is he really going to make it through a fourth major battle? Like, no one else has. So. Maybe not, but, you know, this is a battle I don't know he's 
going to be super, super involved in. But maybe he will be. Maybe you know what like I really want for be. Davos? I want, you know, for the final episode, he lives. There's a final episode where you see, you know, whatever, she, you know, montage thing where like it goes over all the different characters that are alive, where they are now, you know, that <laughs> sort of thing. I kind of expect them to do that. There's so many characters they want us to see, you know, like <laughs> Sam and Gilly and the baby and the new baby, you know, something like that. But Davos, <laughs> I just want to see him coming home to his wife <laughs> and her just slapping him in the face. <laughs> like, not a letter. You learn to read and write. <laughs> Poor Maria. Anyway. He's going to go back there and pretend he still doesn't know how to read and write. He's like, no, I don't. I still don't know how to. <laughs> what can I do? Like, <laughs> Here's, by the way, here's one death prediction that I have. Magic. Okay. Magic is going to die. Hmm. I think we start the series off with it appearing. But it's the, but it's definitely there before it appears. It's just muted. Right, right. Maybe die is not the right word, but it's going to fade away. I th- I think that the, okay. the Night King's dead. I think that Dro- if Drogon doesn't die, he's going to fly off to Essos. If uh, I think that um, Shea <laughs> made that prediction, right? You, that's your prediction, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to Valyria. Specifically. To Valyria. Or more, like, she's talking like, more specifically with Drogon, like which I agree yeah. with. Yeah, with Drogon because I was thinking about Fire and yeah. Blood. There's a bit with a Rhea Targaryen and Balerion. And the show did it. Too. And the show did it. Drogon yeah. went there. And, and by so. the way, Arya might not die, but I do think she's going to fade away. She's going to yeah. not go back to Winterfell. I agree. I think all the mystical characters, Melisandre's gone. I think all the mystical, fantastic characters are all going to be gone by the end. Okay. Which would include the mountain and oh, yeah. maybe toast. even Kyburn. Kyburn uh, <laughs> probably too. Yeah, I don't see Kyburn <clears throat> living. Um, I don't know if that would apply to John. Yeah. Now here, let me let me just th- say one more thing ghost, about these- ghosts went back north. Yeah. The dire wolves appearing south that far south. That was like unusual in the beginning. You know, yeah. like he's going to go back. Now, uh, one other thing that um, I think is pretty relevant here that uh, the whole they're in a lot of danger and they're not a major character, not a super major character like prediction style pretty much failed us like almost all the time that just didn't work as yeah, a prediction. Yeah. that's not and the thing of it is it's that's because these aren't this isn't logical and i don't mean that the show isn't logical it is and it isn't i mean that it's these are stories and you don't the, the most likely to die that doesn't matter yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that true. doesn't ever matter it's it's a how they want it to go and and how what george has told them and the combination of those two things and like being in the front lines in a story that doesn't really, you know, in certain stories it does. Like if it's like if that pattern is developed, then you follow it. But that pattern hasn't been developed here. There's also I, I, I pointed this out uh, just when we were talking before that a lot of these things that you want to predict because it seems like they're building up to it. It seems like there's this poetry to it, this artistic unity of John tells Theon you can be both a, a Stark and a Greyjoy. So now Theon's going to come back and tell John you can be both a Targaryen and a Stark. But that didn't happen. Well, life doesn't always work out poetically. So, Bronn isn't necessarily going to kill Tyrion with that crossbow. Yeah. So, so basically, each of you, Aziz is saying, hey, you can ignore certain things because sometimes things just happen how they're going to write it in a poetic way. And Sean's saying the exact inverse of that, which Mm -hmm. makes sense because it's a show that they write. (laughs) <laughs> but it's just funny. Your points were the inverse of one another. <laughs> but it kind of got to this to the same place. That's funny. From DTS, could the ash we see in the throne room vision be Dragonstone exploding? It's built on a volcano, is it not? It is built on, well, the island is volcanic. Yes, I wouldn't say it's not on a volcano. There's just volcanoes on the, it's a volcanic island, you could say. But I really don't think so because in those scenes of the throne room, not only is the, the ceiling collapsed, but there's just so much ash that I don't think that would come from a volcanic explosion that's not that close it's still leagues away by sea it's it's uh not close enough i think to have blown a hole in the ceiling and, and done all that stuff 
So I think we're still stuck with the most likely interpretation of that dragon of the burn throne room is this wildfire plot that's uh, been left behind. And by the way, Sean, there's another uh, piece of evidence that I should have mentioned in this discussion. Bran's visions of the dragon over mm-hmm. King's Landing, mm-hmm. which is probably Drogon at this point, includes visions of wildfire, Ares, King Ares, and Jamie stabbing him. Those are all the elements there. That's true. That's so true. that's really why I'm I'm thinking that this is Jamie's arc is to be the Queen Slayer and he has to kill his own sister to do it because she's the one threatening to do all this. But you know, it would be pretty tragic if Jamie goes in, kills Cersei, and then Cersei would have died anyway. Because Jamie, wildfire, dragonfire, whatever. Are, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a great. Ooh, <laughs> good point. As he's as he's thrusting a knife in, the dragon burns flames down. <laughs> yeah, woof, that would be man. That could be it. There, that that's it. it. That's my prediction. <laughs> well, that's that's funny because next question is Thomas Pappas. Curious to how Sean as Easton Shea would like the episode to play out. Is that your prediction? Well, he says how you would like it to play. I don't know if that's how you would yeah. like it to play out. But we all like being right, though. So. It's yeah, it is how I like it to play out if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I would like them to back off and be like, let's not kill everybody and let's uh, let's find another way to kill Cersei. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't what know if I that's would, possible. Right. What I would like to, to to happen in quote unquote reality, you know what I mean, is yeah. for the least number of people to die, for just people to be in charge at the end. But I um, I I wouldn't like them to actually write it that way because it would be it'd be disappointing, it'd be boring, it wouldn't be tragic, it wouldn't be it wouldn't evoke any emotions, you know. Um, so so yeah, it's such a weird thing. I, many times it comes up where you like yeah. you want people to die. Why do I want people to die? But <laughs> well, I want yeah. to be moved. Yeah, I want to care. I want it to be emotional. You want I want the it to be powerful. To matter. Yeah, right. Exactly. You want the tension to be real. Yeah. Well, Shay, what do you think? Do you have some opinion? Do you have an answer for Tommy here? On on what I would like to happen. What you would like to happen? And what I would like to happen? I would like for for people to not infight and kill each other and for the Targaryen forces, which are John and Danny, to not, you know, do that. But I think it's going to happen. But mm. I would like for that to not happen. I just want them to have a united front. So that. <laughs> I would like the characterizations to be strong. You know, like I have a, more of a simple wish, I suppose, more of a general wish that it's going to be a, probably this huge battle um, from what we've seen as far as, Behind the scenes stuff, there's this is an enormous battle set, just ridiculously huge. And they they didn't, you know, hang that on the wall not to use it. So it's gonna be a very action-oriented episode, but we have all these major plot elements that need to be resolved, and I hope they they handle them well. So that's that's what I want. I hope I hope they do a good job. That's really what I want to play out. I don't want the fandom to hate it afterwards. And I know some people will no matter what. You're going to get 25, 30% of the fandom hating it. I don't want 50 to 80% of it to hate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want I want us to end on at least a decent note where people aren't like hating the whole experience, which would be really unfortunate because we had a lot of fun going through this. If the last episode stinks, second last episode stinks, I hope that doesn't ruin the whole thing for people because that's just too bad. That would be the tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that uh, on some level they have to appealed to the masses oh yeah uh, a, a very high level i mean yeah. we think about this we're not even one percent of game of thrones fandom like we, we, we sometimes we forget that it's a really tiny percentage we are here. yeah and and i think that one thing that you, the masses both will of want, you two are one percent of game of thrones fandom? <laughs> no but us three us three, us yeah. three, three of us. Yeah. Uh, there's about 300 total people out uh, there okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of robots in our chats. Yeah, the other people in our chat are just <laughs> accidentally clicked the link in. Uh, 
the uh but i think a thing that needs to happen for the masses to be happy is for cersei to die i think that's just this payoff moment that everyone is waiting for same thing with the mountain i think that's just a payoff moment everyone's waiting for and i kind of expect them to do that just just for that reason but i also have a hard time envisioning how it's going to happen yeah, I, and and I do also think it needs to be bittersweet. It can't just yes. be this perfect, tidy, happy ending. Agree. But what they think is bittersweet might be different from what I think. I didn't think it was that sad. For, I mean, again, it's not like I wanted Liana <laughs> and Theon to die, but just relative to if Davos and Danny had died, you know, I want yeah. to really be sad. You know, yeah. For example, I think what's happening right now is already bittersweet. Like oh, they, they defeated the Night the King and they're fighting, fighting each, each, other. each other. Yeah, that's and true. I, yeah. I think it, everything that's happening right now is satisfies that for me. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. From Scott Westbury, why is John a better ruler to Daenerys? And this is getting getting into what we were talking about before about you know we want things to work out, we want it to be realistic, but it talks about like what makes a good leader. The question continues. John has very little actual experience ruling and dealing with political intrigues. He does the right slash moral thing even when it isn't the wise or best thing to do. This is the idealistic ignorance that got him knifed to Castle Black and had Northern Lords ready to break away from him. As ruler of Westeros, whole or in part, these entanglements and issues only become more complicated and less black and white. John is a person who sees so much in black and white regardless of the fallout. Is that a better ruler? It's not necessarily. It really does get into a lot of philosophy about the, the ideal ruler. Um, do you want... Someone like Jaehaerys, who was very active and imposed his will in very many positive ways. I think maybe if if we were to ask pose this question back to Scott, would John build a system of roads throughout the Seven Kingdoms like Jaehaerys did? I don't know that he would. It, it, that's that's the description of the reluctant <laughs> ruler. He definitely wouldn't, you know, uh, leverage the throne for his personal desires like Robert or Aegon the Unworthy did. But on the other hand, would he leverage it for good, for like unquestionably good things? That's where the reluctant leader thing is like, I, I don't know. What would he do? Would he just sit back and dispense justice and not push, his, push any agendas, I, positive I, or negative? I think he might. But the problem is that he, other people around him, might he might be more manipulatable by people around him pushing their own agendas, the little fingers of the world or whatever. Maybe. But I, I think you can flip this around another way, too. That, that same... Um, uh, moral idealism or whatever that got him killed, okay? Uh, it also got the North united. Mm -hmm. It also got the wildlings safe. Yes. That lack of moral commitment got Rob and his whole family killed, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. it, it's not, you know, like... Yep. John it's, would it's no, have no married the Frey girl, and you see what I'm saying. So there's there's arguments on both sides. Uh, there's no, yeah, you're, there's no easy answer here, and and it's that's, that's part of why you know monarchy stinks in the first place because you get these situations where even under the best kind of scenarios, you still end up with a really bad ruler eventually, and there's no way around that. But in a voting system, you can still have that happen in a voting system too. But you can't yeah. have the the most awful awful person, you know, who is out there. Um, I'm getting off topic here, but it, it gets, might not it might not be totally off topic because they have brought it up in a show. Yes. Danny wants to break the will. Will she? It seems like at this point she she's not. You know, it seems like she's back yes. to being. I want to be the top spoke on a wheel. That's what it seems like. Yeah. But it, it was discussed. It is a point of the show, and they may even go there. And and I also want to say, even monarchs have counselors. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so that's a, it's a it's a it's a question <clears throat> of John versus Danny. John versus. Joffrey, you know, it's easy to tell the difference when it's John versus Joffrey. Like no one wants yeah. Joffrey, but with John versus Danny, you get legitimate arguments, I think. And what about Ned versus Tywin? I think that 
Ned, you can point to some of these same quote unquote mistakes because he's doing the right moral thing. But Ned's legacy after death is really powerful. People still want to be like him. People still wanted to fight for his ideals, even though he was dead. No one wants to fight for Tywin's ideals. They're forced into it. Yeah. Even though he may have, quote, uh, you know, handled things, quote unquote, better in certain situations, the after effects of that blew up in his face. People, yeah, it's like, oh, that's because people wanted to kill him. Yeah. People wanted to kill him because of shit he did to them. Right. Yeah. People wanted to kill Ned because he was a good guy in their way doing of doing right. bad things. Yeah. Bad guys wanted to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who wanted to kill Tywin? Good people. Yeah. <laughs> well, and some bad people too. But that's a like who who your enemies are says a lot about you. And who your friends are says a lot about yeah. you. And that's the thing about Danny. Yes, she may be turning south here, but she's always had good people around. She's always identified who the good people of character are, for the most part. And when they weren't good characters, she a lot of times recognized that later. You know, and she, good she, people she, she have rallied to mm-hmm. her also. Yeah, yeah, because she's a symbol of goodness in a lot of ways. I mean, you free the slaves and, like, that's good. Like, there's no <laughs> way around that. That's really good. And why right. would you want to argue against that? It you know? might not have been planned out well. And sure. the way she freed the slaves might have been with nuclear weapons, which end up hurting some innocents. And so people around her are like, hey, maybe you shouldn't use those nuclear weapons. Yeah. But still, hey, keep trying to do good things. You yeah, know? yeah. So it's, it's, it's complicated for sure. All right, moving on. Sarah, I keep thinking about one of the writers saying they filmed with someone from the past. Who would, who would surprise us? What if it's Jason Momoa? In Danny's vision, she turns from the throne and goes to see Drogo and her son. What if she sacrifices herself and returns to him? Yeah, see, that was driving my earlier comments about Danny being like a Jesus-type figure where she sacrifices herself to save humanity. I don't think that's on the table anymore because that would have been a, something, that would have been versus the Night King. However, Sarah raises a good point that in that vision, she does turn from the Iron Throne and goes to see Drogo and her son. However, Drogo and her her son are dead. <laughs> so right. she's going so to them. Maybe she has to die then, for that. Which is what Sarah is saying. If she sacrifices herself. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's sacrifice is the thing here. But death, yeah. I think it's I think it portends her death, not necessarily a sacrifice. She did also turn from that though. Did she? Okay. Right? Yeah, she, she went back into Yeah, she's like yeah. drawn in, but it went back. Yeah, you're right. So. She go, you're right. She turned back from that too. Which might also mean death. Either way, it doesn't bode well, I don't think. Darn prophecies are so hard to interpret. <laughs> they are really hard to interpret. And this is one where I hope they stick to, like you said, like if they just abandon this dream vision and don't like, you know, if the king, if, if the throne room doesn't have stuff happen to it, be like, wait, what What was that all about? Yeah. It might still make sense, but it won't, it, you know, it could make sense in some less obvious way, some more subtle way, but, it, you know, we'll, have, we'll see. We'll wait and see. No judging before we get it. From William Coupland, Yara must make a return in the next episode. She needs to face Euron to make him pay the iron price. That got me wondering, as we've not seen her for a while, how big could her fleet have grown? <laughs> well, <laughs> Euron's fleet grew really huge really fast, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> there must still be some wood around <laughs> for them to make more ships. Has she had ballistas and things like that added to uh, her ships? And that would also play into Danny's hands, causing a distraction while she launches an attack. Yeah, I do expect there to be some kind of movie-style appearance of other characters here during this final, you know, battle of the five armies kind of thing where uh, from from the from the hobbit where everyone shows up for the final battle. I didn't even I didn't even think of it till just now. That's that's how it's going to play out. The eagles are going to come. Yeah, it'll be ravens, yeah. Bran will be controlling them. No, no, no. It's going to be Don Henley and Glenn Frey. And <laughs> Yep, yep. Uh, okay, so I think that I think this is a good point by uh, William Coupland here. I think Yara will likely return. If she's fighting for Danny, she wants to get rid of Euron. Now's the time. Gang up on him, you know. 
Uh, so I could see that. Um, other people who might appear, um, uh, maybe Ed Muir is another possibility. Uh, given Sarah's question about filming with somebody from the past who would surprise us. Um, is there anyone else that, that Kyber might bring back alive? Is, that, is there anyone that wasn't blown up that we, theoretically could be brought back? Earlier in the season, we predicted maybe a, a candidate would be Jock and Hagar, but that's that seems like that's too late now. You don't have a showdown mm. with like a faceless assassin during a big battle episode. I think he would have, they would have introduced him already or something. I don't know. It's possible. Arya with someone's face, maybe. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah. Arya with someone else's face. Yeah. That could happen for it's sure. Incidentally, that's something I think I'll be frustrated by. It's, it's, the, it's something that makes it hard to predict that Arya could just be anyone. Like, eh, it makes yeah. it hard to predict. And that's could a possibility. So I don't Ar- want yeah. that to happen. But. <laughs> um, okay. So we'll just wait and see about that. Uh, Lord Commander George the Golden. The bittersweet ending that I would like the most for both John and Dan- Danny is to survive the battle with Cersei and then having to deal with the consequences of, be- of one only one of them being able to rule. However, I can't help but think of the line, when you plan the- play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die, and think the story is more likely to go this route, with one or both dying in the battle or in the aftermath. They are planning the idea that could go all wrong for Danny and for John to be king. They are planting that seed, yes. And, it, you know, I've flat out said that it's not unlikely. That, I didn't go as far as say John would be king, though. If you, you notice that I didn't go that far, which you, would, you might guess, well, why not, Aziz? If Danny's dead and John isn't, why wouldn't he be king? Well, I have a lot to say about that, but it's not re- we're not, I'm not ready to bring it up just yet. It's later in the episode. But I have another idea. A couple of other people in the fandom have been rallying behind the sense of it. And I'll get to that in a bit. From Juan Felipe Mendez. John's conversation with Tormund makes me think that he might die and live his second life in Ghost Beyond the Wall, but I don't think the show only watchers would get it. Thoughts? Yeah, okay, so that is a concept from the books that skin changers, when they die, uh, their human form dies, they, a lot of their, their spirit sort of goes into the animal. And that's the mechanism that some people expect to be portrayed in the books, that John will go into Ghost and then Melisandre will b- pull his spirit back from Ghost into his body. And... Uh, because especially that's a, a popular theory because it's portrayed in the first chapter of A Dance of Dragons, which is the book John dies in through Varamir six skins. He dies and then he goes into a, a wolf and his and then later his spirit is detected in there. You know, they don't know it's Varamir, but they know someone's in there. And Bran, when he's learning to to skin change, he goes with all these ravens. The three eyed crow, Blood Raven tells him all these birds have these spirits of many dead children in them, like long dead children of the forest in them. He calls them the singers. They call themselves the singers, but it's the children of the forest. Same difference. So, um, but I agree that that would not, it wouldn't make sense for the show because they have never once shown John skin changing into ghost, which he does in the show. I mean, the books. So they, they made that brand only, but of course, as you know, you've read enough. Brand has all of the powers also that we yeah. don't necessarily attribute to John. Right. So in the, yeah, in the, in the books, <coughs> All of them have the war game. By the way, no, none of the Stark kids have died before their wolf. Is that an accurate statement? Not yet. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah. yeah, that would be a first if John died. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. No, technically, Rob died before Grey Wind. Oh, okay. you're right. Yep. By like okay. a, yeah. a few seconds. <laughs> so maybe yeah. Rob worked into Grey Wind. That is the theory. That All he for did. not. Yeah, that's why, <laughs> that is a theory. And that's, that's why, why Grey Wind was, like, was making terrible sounds and trying to get mm, loose and all yeah, those things. Going, it's a popular yeah. but very sad fan theory that's yeah. kind of, you know, doesn't go anywhere. It's just like, I think this is what happened. Everybody's like, oh, damn. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it might have. It's really... Really sad. <laughs> From Treehugger, has Danny even shown any excitement that she isn't the last member of her family? All she saw was competition. Well, I think we're being fair to Danny. She hasn't really been that aggressive about it. Um, she, her immediate reaction was like, whoa, that puts you ahead of me. What the hell? And John's like, no, I don't care about that. 
after the battle, if we're being fair to Danny, after the battle, she just went and just wanted to kiss John. There was no like, oh, I'm scared of you. She just was like, let's have an intimate moment together. And then John broke off and was like, ah. and she's like, yeah, that, huh? The elephant in the room. And, hey. and she still was willing to trust him, even, even though he even had a better up claim. To that, he was avoiding her also. Yes. You know? So she wasn't paranoid. She wasn't like descending into madness over this. It was just like, this sucks. But she's not not trusting John. She was willing to let him keep the secret and just be that be that be it. Like she was willing to trust him to never reveal it, to not stab her in the back. She was totally willing to trust him. So I, I'm okay with her not showing this excitement that it's the la- that she isn't the last member of her family because she finds out that you know he being a man, being whatever, she immediately correctly suspects the possibility. Now I don't think John wants the throne like that. Not certainly not to stab her in the back for it. But she doesn't know that. And it's just fear. It's just like her immediate reaction. And But with time to reflect, she was very calm about it, you know? So I think people may be being a little unfair to Danny about that. Not necessarily you, tree hugger. You, you're not saying negative things about Danny. But I do think a lot of others, this raises that question because a lot of people are thinking she's like jealous and just like naked ambition. I don't think it's that simple. Also, another reason you might care about family is because it's, there's like a bond or a loyalty or a commitment or something that you would have to them. And just because you find out there's some long lost member of your family doesn't mean you suddenly have this bond and loyalty and connection to them. Mm, You know, when I find out I'm actually the Prince of Luxembourg (laughs) and also I have a younger brother, I don't suddenly love the younger brother. I don't even know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be trying to take the throne of Luxembourg. Yeah, Yeah, screw that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Sean... Uh, green? I will Sean say Blue? this is a perfect time for me to bring up a super chat that we got that I put later in the episode from Stephen Stark who said Ashea is the best, Aziz is a legend, Sean is the prin- prince of Luxembourg. I can't even get it out. It's just, that's what she said but no I really can't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> From Carrie Neves, the heavy foreshadowing of Danny getting pregnant, a red herring to throw us off so we wouldn't foresee her dying before the end. Interesting. Um, that's a possibility, uh, but I think that really people just were more relying on her plot armor. She just seemed like she was just going to survive. It just felt like, given the you know every story, that almost every work of fiction ever, that she's one of the heroes and she's probably going to survive. I think that was it. But maybe the pregnant thing, maybe that helps. Maybe that boosts it. Um, makes it some people like some corners of the fandom might think she's even safe, safer, but I feel like a lot most people kind of thought she was safe anyway. It's only now that people are starting to go, oh, she might not live, you know. Uh, I mean, people thought that before, but they w- didn't necessarily know. It wasn't they didn't necessarily have specific reasons why. Now we can see, ooh, <laughs> we can see almost exactly how it could happen. From Mr. Mitchell954, are D&D undercutting Danny's entire arc and path to Mad Queen by not properly fleshing out Tyrion and Varys' BS hangups and consistently bad advice? Yeah, I think they are a little bit because people are a little hung up on Tyrion and Varys' intrigues and, and bad advice. And it's fair to say that they are bad advice. <laughs> like, Tyrion has not been a good military strategist, just period. He, he has not had, he's had more losses than wins. He's made really big, obvious mistakes. And... He hasn't had any great, like anything was like, that was really well done, you know? I want to argue about that a little bit. I'm not so sure they were big, obvious mistakes. Uh, Maybe they were, but we're looking at it in hindsight. No, no, no. Even he says some of them were big, obvious mistakes. Like not thinking of Euron's surprise attack on 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 the fleet both times. Like, come on. (laughs) Well, part of that is I... I 
don't think we can wholly, and this is part of my point, why I don't think it's a big obvious mistake. Because if it's a big obvious mistake, someone else would have thought of that. Someone, somewhere, well, one of the that's fleet why people members. Are, that's why people Tyrion are, isn't a sailor. He's no, not an expert. I agree, but know? that's why people are accusing the writing of being bad, because it is oh, okay, that obvious. Okay, right, yeah, right. It's, it's D&D, is not fleshing <clears> them out, yeah. But I'm thinking, for example, of the idea when he wanted to go take Casterly Rock. Like, let's siege King's Landing no, that's with local fine. forces. And, yeah. and that, he failed there, but I don't think it was necessarily a bad plan. It just I happened agree. to get no, outwitted. No, but, so, he, but, but it doesn't count as some great victory either. He didn't, which True. he does not have. True. He doesn't have any like, oh, look at how well he like Blackwater. Sure, that, but that even even that wasn't fully him. That was like a, a team effort. So I think that's fair. And Varus also, we talk we talk <clears> a little <throat> about he's a little bit hypocritical about some of these things, and some of that is bad military advice. Like they're both talking about like getting the commoners to rise up and and starve them out so they attack Cersei. Like that's not better for them, you know. And whether that's just bad logic well, or just not understanding how ho- horrible sieges are for commoners or somewhere in between. It isn't exactly good. It's definitely bad advice or definitely inconsistent advice. It's not good advice. You know, it's not it, properly framing. It might framing. be better than burning them all. It doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah. It might be better. Yeah, But sure. I feel like they could do even better. <laughs> sure. Okay. Especially because there's even other hints at it too, which I kind of wonder, by the way, that was part of the plan at Castle Rock was to sneak in through the tunnels underground. We had yeah. multiple Varus, Tyrion, Arya, all should know about tunnels underground. I'm wondering if there might be some covert 20 good men sneaking in to uh, the Red yeah, Keep. that would make sense. Now, uh, on the other side of that, <clears throat> I hope they think of that. But I also expect Kyber's aware of that, too. Kyber knows okay, the Red okay, Keep as well. Call, he would, yeah. he would be, he, and he knows who Varus is. So if they're on top of their game, they cover both that strategy and the counter strategy. But I don't know if they will. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> they do. But to get back to the question, yeah, I think that Danny's descent is... If you look for it, it's there. You can see it. You can see all the pieces. You can see all the loss she's had, the people pushing at her from so many directions, the trauma, everything. But Tyrion and Varys aren't being shown to be wrong. You have to really think about it. Oh, maybe. Some people yes, kind of get it. Maybe they will. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully we see that. Lord Commander George the Golden. Here's our first uh, image from the, the show itself. Why are the Golden Company outside the wall? Some people have wondered about, does that just not make any strategic sense? Well, it's not stupid. It's, it's questionable. And we see it in the books. For example, when Quentin and Ironwood and uh, Gareth Drinkwater sign up under false names to fight in the Selsword Company, they find themselves fighting on fake Unsullied beneath the walls of uh, Yunkai, I believe it was, or maybe Astapor, it doesn't matter. It, the fact is they fought men outside the walls. Burn at Slaver's Bay. Yeah, burn at Slaver's matter. Bay. <laughs> it doesn't matter which city. <laughs> and the, uh, the, the point of fighting outside the walls is the fact that they're Golden Company. They're not her people. They're mercenaries. She doesn't care about their lives that much. She doesn't want them necessarily to approach the walls. Uh, she wants to meet them outside. It's a strategy. You don't always want... You don't necessarily... It's not necessarily better to have them on the walls. It would. It's better for keeping them alive, but again, Cersei doesn't care about that. Them and the walls could be a threat. They could just seize the city, you know? That's true. She may not fully trust them. Yeah. <laughs> so that's smart. Like if they, if, it, if, if battle goes against them... If the battle goes against Cersei, they could turn and that, you know, which she wouldn't be worried about for her household troops, but for a Selsor company. Yeah. So it actually does make sense. Whether the writers accidentally got this right or not, I don't know, but it does make sense. It could also just be for the sake of a good cinematic moment, which oh, I would so, be frustrated by, that. but I will also be impressed by. It's yeah. going to be an awesome image to see those armies lined up and clash. Yeah. From Rob Charlton, do you think there is anything that might come of the fact that John can be hurt by fire, but Danny can't? Like the magic behind that. I I don't, but 
it would be a cool thing. It would be neat to, for them to introduce that. I just don't see them see them going that way. And uh, we're not sure Danny can't be hurt by, say, wildfire. She seems to be immune to regular fire. But, uh, yeah, John burned his hand. It seemed like the Night King was immune to regular fire and also Certainly dragon, dragon fire, fire right? Yeah, so that would true. be pretty cool, actually, if Danny like, lands her dragon, walks into the Red Keep, and in Cersei just blows up herself and everyone. Hmm. But then Danny's still standing at the end of it. <laughs> that would be she cool. Walk, she walks out of the flames. So is you know? Danny a cockroach? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's the hottest st- cockroach I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> hottest cockroach. See what? In the fire yeah, with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Several people have asked, what's the history of Golden Company versus Unsullied and Golden Company versus Dothraki? We don't have Golden Company versus Dothraki explicitly, but surely they've fought them. I mean, they're a sellsword company in Essos. There's no way they haven't fought the Dothraki. Uh, I don't know what kind of record they have against them, but they clearly haven't been destroyed, so there's that much. As far as Golden Company versus Unsullied, there is a very notable historical anecdote with that. If we recall, the, the Unsullied are also the city guards of the city of Kohor. And that's because they hired Unsullied to fight against this giant Dothraki horde. And the Unsullied really acquitted themselves so well that the Dothraki to- uh, cut off their braids and uh, walked off. Because the Unsullied, they considered themselves defeated by this small spearman in- unit. And so the uh, city guard of Kohor, where uh, their spears all have braids of hair on them in honor of that mm. victory. However, the city of Kohor many years later tried to stiff the Golden Company on a payment, and <laughs> the Golden Company wasn't having that, and they sacked Kohor. So that implies they defeated the Unsullied's uh, defenses there. So it wasn't, you know, Danny's size group of Unsullied, but still, that's something. Uh, moving on, um, Daniela says, looks at some wordplay here, looking at what little uh, what Sansa has become. And she's learned from Littlefinger, whose sigil is a mockingbird, and she is Little Bird. Littlefinger, Mockingbird, Little Bird. Mm. That's cool. I don't I don't even think that was intentional, but it might have been. It would have been George's intent because he wrote all that. Uh, so that makes it more likely that it was intentional. But I don't know. It's very cool either way. I like it. Good job. Good also, Littlefinger's gone, and Sansa's not a little bird anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Strange TV. Thanks for all the content. I would like your take on the picture of Danny in the throne room on Dragonstone. Do you think it is Jamie being questioned? I don't, but I'm curious about that too. I don't know who it is. Um, it's a very, very, uh, interesting shot. Shay's going to pull it up. It's, it's semi darkness. It's kind of meant to cast her in this descent. I think to, it looks dark. And yeah, I don't know who that is. Might be Varus being questioned. Yeah. I think that's more likely. Um, it's hard to tell, and we'll just have to wait and see, but the imagery here is really powerful. Another shot we have of Tyrion approaching her, and he's looking really anxious, like like uh, he's worried about approaching her, and the symbolism is just overwhelming. He passes in front of a carved dragon straight into its jaws. He's walking mm-hmm. into its mouth. It's, it's walking into the mouth of the dragon there. And Do you think it's possible that he's going to get eaten by Drogon? Because of this symbolism? Like, do you think they're doing something like that? No, I don't think so. Uh, It's possible, but no, I don't think so. Because we see, um, well, the trick here is, this is what's tricky about this whole thing, is when does this scene take place? I don't get it. Because the last we see, she's right outside of King's Landing. So either she's, this is after, and she did survive the battle. She did survive, but she's lost. Or something else has happened. 
I just so you know, I think that we're not. I think that the where we left off last yeah. episode. I don't think she's about to charge on her dragon and the Unsullied are going to charge and the battle's on. I okay. think she's going back to Dragonstone. I think she's going to be patient. Okay, well, she has to. The yeah. Northern Forces aren't even there yet. Exactly. You're I think right. she's okay. going to go back to Dragonstone, wait for John to show up. She, she may still do something rash afterwards, but I think there's going to be time to, that explains to set a lot. the battle up. That would explain a lot, yeah. And um, in that time, we're going to see some intrigue with Varus and whoever else. Yeah, okay. Good point. Now we have... <clears throat> This other shot of Danny beyond the painted table, and this is a really good detail. She looks a little disheveled, which she should because she's had all this terrible emotional stuff happen. But her hair is mostly unbraided, which is fantastic. It refers to what we just talked about with the Dothraki cutting off their braids. She didn't cut it off, but she undid it because she suffered a loss. It refers to something else, too. She doesn't have Missande there to do her damn hair. <laughs> like, like, of course she's going to look all messy. Wow, I didn't think of that. Yeah, the logistics of not having her hair braid her just... Yeah. <laughs> damn. Okay. Yeah. Really, all the little things falling apart, too. <laughs> From Benjen Serbhel, I very much... I'm very sure I said your name wrong. I apologize for that. Is it possible there is a time gap through the siege? In other words, like if they have a siege and we wait some time. So this is basically what we were just talking about. It, it, it's not really a siege, although Cersei has sort of shut the doors. Not, I mean, she's letting commoners come in, but she's holed up in King's Landing, although that's been true for since season one. Yeah. <laughs> she's never really left except to go to Winterfell in like the first episode. <laughs> the most the most statically placed character. Not that, not that that's a negative. It's just funny. Uh, so I, I kind of doubt it because it seems like they're going to push the envelope. Danny's angry. She's not going to rush into it like you said, but she's going to attack as soon as she can, I think. I think she's going to move, move as soon as it's logistically feasible. She might be waiting for some of these other armies to show up like the Prince of Dorne. We might see Edmure, Tully. That's another character that's, that's a one of those uh, characters who might come back that we haven't seen. Uh, you know, he never he never died or anything. So uh, his army could show up. He could bring, you know, 500, 1,000 Riverlanders, something like that. There's a lot of little, little possibilities like that. So it does make sense for her to wait a bit and uh, sit back. So um, let's see from Nancy Groth. I count at least three missing elements. Nymeria's packs, Faceless Men slash Jockin, and the Iron Bank. Are D&D abandoning them, or do you have predictions? Do you see anything slash anyone else not accounted for? Well, a couple of them we've mentioned already. Faceless Men, I think Nymeria's pack hasn't been abandoned. I think they kind of just addressed it and said, that's it. You know, Nymeria's, this is where she is now. Maybe maybe she'll show up. But um, I wouldn't say that's an abandonment because they did address her and Arya's like, no, you're not coming with me. This is you now. I think I think that might have been her goodbye. But Jockin, I think they kind of did the same. Um, Jockin didn't care that Arya left and they sent the waif after or the waif went after her and the waif, you know, didn't kill her. So maybe that's the unfinished business. The waif didn't kill her and the waif is still alive and they she's still out there. Maybe they don't know she escaped. Eh. I don't know. That is, I would call that unfinished business, but it's, it's, um, so that, but we have already talked about the possibility of Jockin coming back. And it seems like they missed their window if they wanted to do that, but we'll see. Um, can I share something from the chat that absolutely. just really amuses me? Yeah. Uh, Leslie Chevalier says, I'm sure Danny's hair is the last thing on her mind. And Alice Io replies with, it's the first thing on her head. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, oh, I just had God. to share that. That's really good. Okay, that was <laughs> it's all. the first thing on her head. Um, so, speaking of unaccounted for people, Doctor Meatball asks: Is Solaria Sand dead or still in the dungeons? I guess we don't know for sure, but a lot of time has passed. So, I think she's probably dead. I assume she's dead. Um, but 
again, they, they've, they've made it very difficult to predict. There have been multiple times when I assumed someone was dead and they came back and multiple yeah. times uh, where I assumed someone was alive and, or part of the show, if you will, but have never come back. I mean, maybe this is, maybe they'll all come back all at once. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't really cover the Iron Bank there uh, from Nancy's question. I think that they probably won't be addressed here. Um, they may be addressed in the, in the last episode. You know, like whoever sits on the throne has to deal with them or something like that. But I, I, I'm guessing they'll just leave, just shuffle off and say, nah, hand wave that away and say, well, whoever takes the throne is going to have to deal with that afterwards, but it's not part of the main plot. It's not super exciting to deal with finances or whatever. But that is, you know, jocking and the Iron Bank as a, as a concept together is something that people thought might have been a thing, but they haven't gone that direction. And you guys mentioned Ilaria Sand already? Yeah, just um, saying, yeah. She was confirmed dead in an interview with oh, okay. the actress. Oh, Oscar. okay. Well, there you go. Um, assuming that is accurate. So we talked a lot at the beginning about Danny, and both of us read the same thread on Twitter that helped summarize some of our thoughts and combine them with some of our own thoughts. And the person's name is Carl. It's His name is at terrible underscore help. And this, I highly recommend it either. You can find it by going to my Twitter and uh, History of Westeros and looking for the retweets or just going straight to at terrible underscore help. And the point being that she never, most of the stuff we already covered, but it's just about the tragedy of Danny and how the, all these things she's overcome and how you want to root for her because of course you want to root for her to defeat the slavers. And of course you want to root for her. And that's the real tragedy behind it all is even after all doing all these good things, she's still on this kind of unethical goal, you know, and, and it's not even unethical to be queen. It's not unethical to want to be queen. It's just some of the things you have to do to get there, you know, that's where the unethical comes. If she had just been next in line and inherited it, you know, she could have done great things as a queen. I think she would be a great queen, but instead she has to suffer this life that she's had and, and had to grow through these things and she's learned so many lessons. But this lesson, she hasn't been able to learn. No one ever taught it to her because her, her family were bad rulers, <laughs> you know, uh, and she didn't really even know them. Um, and Viserys was awful. So I don't know. It's really, it is really tragic. But um, that thread, uh, it was a series of tweets that he made because the thought was too complex for just one tweet. And he just kept responding to his own tweet, like yeah. nine tweets. It was really well thought out. It, it was, was really, I feel like he kind of covered all the bases, kind of fair about presenting all the angles, like hit different points of progression throughout the course of the story and tied it into what was happening now. And, uh, uh, and you know, kind of like as he said, and kind of like we've said, it, it hit a lot of things we've already talked about, but really kind of condense them and put them together very well yeah, yeah it, get, it made my own thoughts clear yeah know? it got at our it, it, it addressed the parts of danny's arc that are problematic while highlighting that most of it is great and the thing that we've been rooting for all this time we weren't wrong to root for those things so it just parses the good for the uh, the unethical bits from the largely great you know yeah. and uh, really cuts to the chase it's, it's really good um, the point that the really great point that I believe I've already said, but I want to restate is that she still wants the throne even after she's presented with John, who would probably be a good king. She can't say, I'm taking the throne to make things right. That's no longer the point. She can't make that point anymore. Yeah. It's, it is about her now. If, if she pushes her claim over John's, <clears throat> if, because then it's no longer, then it is about destiny and not about being a good king. So right. if she cares about the, the, the commoners, then the best ruler is the best ruler. It isn't necessarily her. She's in the discussion, but also, it isn't automatically her. And that's kind of how she's <laughs> stated it. There's also other issues of even if one person is the best and another is not, 
there's still something to be said for the the, the laws that exist or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like uh, even even if she would be better than John. John technically still should be king. And so now maybe if John would be terrible and she would be great and John's destined to be king, well, fine. John doesn't get to do it. Mm. But that's not really the case. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even if she's better, she's only a little bit better. Yeah. And so how much turmoil, if that's been her justification this whole way, is it? it's her birthright. Well, wait. So if it's his birthright, that's his justification. So the other potential justification is he won't be a good king. Like even if it's Mad King Ares' birthright, but he's not a good king. Okay, so we'll have a rebellion. But that's you can't make that argument against John. So now what yeah. is Danny standing on? Other than that's why ego she or pride this, that's or why she switched to this or, destiny argument. Right. You know, but then they didn't necessarily maybe should have been a little bit more nuanced with showing that as the concept, but it makes a lot of sense when you when you think about it, I think. Okay, so let's see. Let's take a look at a few um, quick shots here, and then we will talk about uh, – we'll do a mid-roll and then get into some predictions for who might make a good ruler if it's not John or Danny. Some good thoughts on that. Okay, so let's look at this army arrayed outside King's Landing. you got Davos and John and Tyrion, and you've got – there's two different shots we have. One is that you can see Davos, John, and Tyrion, and the Gold Company kind of farther away, and there's a still – that I want to draw your attention to just because of the detail. There's no plotting here. It's just really nice. You get to see Harry Strickland. You can see the skulls on the hilt of his sword, and it's done in the design of the Golden Company skulls on pikes uh, design. So that's really nice. I love that detail. Always worth taking a close look at the armor and the swords because they just do a great job of, of, of putting that in there. There's uh, a shot of Euron's navy in the harbor. We didn't bother to pull that one. It's pretty straightforward. But there is this shot of Euron looking up in the clouds that everybody's talking about. And we even got a super chat um, on Monday about it. And it says from Trevor England, who says, Euron looks up at the sky in fear in preview. What could scare him at this point? Only one thing, ice dragon. <laughs> well, I think regular dragon think would be pretty scary dragon, too. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea, ice dragon. I think regular dragon would be scary, but I also want to caution everyone that they're really good at grabbing the one split second where you read an emotion into it. It, and that's not what they're actually feeling. He could be feeling awe and yeah. Not fear. I don't. I agree that it's not necessarily fear. Yeah, um, but he is looking up into the clouds and, and going, "Huh, what is that?" I mean, what else could it be? Right? <laughs> it has to be Drogon. But this is a huge callback to history. Be a meteor, yeah, about to smash into King's Landing. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this? This is a huge callback to history. Uh, Aegon the Conqueror himself, who Danny is the number one parallel for. When da when Aegon the Conqueror was taking Harrenhal, what did what did Heron the Black do? Well, he he ordered every man onto the battlements. He had scorpions and spear throwers and crossbow. He's like, man the walls with all these missile weapons. Well, what did Aegon do? He went at dusk, he went really high in the sky, above the clouds where no one could see, and then he came straight down into the courtyard and just torched everything from the center. Which, if Danny does that, it would work. Because I guarantee there's no scorpions in, like, I don't know, in Flea Bottom. Yeah. You know, or, like... <laughs> They're all arrayed around the wall. She could get wall. high above the wall and then come down inside the city where the scorpions are just nowhere near the walls. The city's huge. I mean, she doesn't have... She can completely bypass that. And she could also do that to the ships. She could come straight down on them. If they're too packed... If they're... Far apart, they could shoot at an angle at her no matter where she's coming. But if they're too tightly packed or if she comes quickly enough, she could come down and rain fire before they could get much of a shot off. Especially if it's done in conjunction with an assault from Yara. Ooh, yeah. Good point. I like it. So I think that uh, we're going to see some ships burning. They saved. They didn't want to do that before, but they they're gonna sa they saved it for, for this episode. <laughs> okay, let's do our quick mid-roll action, and then we'll come back with a lot more predictions and a lot more questions. Y'all are really came with the questions today, which we always appreciate. Okay. Um, Shout-outs to our queens of love and beauty. 
<clears throat> that includes Aaron, Lady of the Long Desert, who names Emma of Starfall, the Queen of Love and Beauty in sight of pods and men. Hey, look at that. I'm wearing a House Dane shirt. Shout out to our Facebook mods, especially the ones who did the sigils panel at Ice and Firecon and made these shirts. This is the original design for House Dane. Yeah. <laughs> a, storm, a stormtrooper with a boombox. Yeah. yeah, that is. Yeah, that's that is true. <laughs> Accurate. Also from the depths of Flea Bottom, Lord Ken of House Hammer has declared for Queen Carrie, a fire of the north who recovered Dark Sister from beyond the wall. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I also want to give a shout out to Mitch Bailey, who is one of our Ironborn captains. And, <coughs> excuse me, he is, I'll give his full title, Lord Mitch of House Bailey, who is captain of the Widow's Blood. His heir is Lordling Mason of House Bailey. Well, Lord Mitch is going in for a kidney transplant. So everybody send him good thoughts and happy recovery. And we hope our fellow Westorian is back on his feet soon. He's going to be hearing these episodes during his recovery. Okay, so let's say this debate about John and Danny and who would be a better queen. <laughs> Danny would be a better queen. <laughs> John would be a John better be king. A good queen. John would be a good queen. He could do it. I'll coach um, him. <laughs> um, it, we have assumed that these are the only two <laughs> options, which is sort of fair. But if something happens and we get to our either – Changing a style of government. So we've talked about the throne is destroyed. There's a new style. Of, well, we've talked about a lot of these different iterations of how it might go. Different people dying, different people not dying. One character that is being considered around the fandom a lot all of a sudden that makes a lot of sense is part of the reason I wanted to reread is because you get to his first chapter right away is considering the possibility that the best available ruler is Brandon Stark. And the reason the best available ruler is Brandon Stark is because... He doesn't have any of the flaws that any of these rulers have. He's not ambitious. He doesn't do anything for himself. He has all of human memory at his disposal, at his disposal for knowing what mistakes but rulers can make. How much does he do, do for other people? How much does he care about other people? How, how much does he listen to other people? You, you we, don't don't know. Have, he, we don't know. He we don't said, know. He said thank you to Mira. <laughs> he said thank you. Yeah. <laughs> After, after all that, like we haven't seen Mira or Howland, you'd think he would be like, we were indebted to House Reed. We need yeah. to do something for them or something. I, it, it doesn't, I there, don't know. There could be some darkness behind this. Maybe, Bran, maybe there is some personality still left in him. Maybe there's some sort of, because George R. R. Martin is so heavily in influenced by uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, that the Iron Throne is the equivalent of the ring. No, pursuit of the ring, whole, especially having the ring, ruins you. No matter who you are, no matter how good, good your intentions are, and that's a really beautiful statement about Cersei versus Danny. That yeah, Cersei has been awful the whole time, and of course she'd be a horrible queen. But even if she'd been great the whole time, becoming queen might make her kind of awful. And that's kind of what might be what we're faced with a Danny. It's like it just look at what this power does to you. Like she was, she's a good character, but look what it's doing to her. Think this about pursuit. Stannis's quest for yeah, the throne. It messes you up. Yeah. Like no person is able to handle that level of power and ambition, no matter how good you are. Bran might be able to because he's not fully human. He's not, they don't have to necessarily worry about him having an heir. That you know? said, much like Stannis, people aren't going to rally around him. Oh no, they Just won't, won't rally, rally around, around him. him. Well, here's why it would happen. Here's why it would happen. You're right that there's no way an army is going to put him on the throne. <clears throat> But what we've seen in his... Okay, this is something I really like about this theory. All the major events in, in the Song of Ice and Fire history, especially recent events, major events are, are, are put there 
as foreshadowing, for the most part. There's some, definitely some exceptions. There are two great councils in the past. What's a great council? Okay, a great council is when they're not sure who should rule and they call a vote. It's kind of like a king's moot where they are like, well, we don't really know who the clear heir is. So let's rather than rather than it descending into civil war, which is so often what happens when you don't know who should when we have two claimants or three claimants or five or ten um, or eleven. Yeah, or eleven. What about wow. twelve? Ooh, well, twelve. I hadn't <laughs> thought of that. Now think about this. Thirteen. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so the <laughs> office reference for anyone out there is getting it. <laughs> so there's, so there's all these po- there's all these different you know angles lined up here, and that would be how Brand gets it nominated. It would be through a great council. It wouldn't be because the realm rallies behind him. It'd be because they all <laughs> sit down and say who would be the best ruler, and some people like say, well, what about him? And it, Brand the Broken. It's it's Brand the Rebuilder. <laughs> who who had the first chapter? Bran. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's that's like I said. Yeah. I, want to, I want to read that first chapter to see if there's king foreshadowing for mm-hmm. him. Yeah, and there might be because George jammed those early chapters with with endgame foreshadowing. Some of the which does not right. was no longer lines up. By the way, yeah, I mean at one point in the 1993 manuscript letter thing, you know, he thought that Jamie Lannister was going to be king, and I'm, so there's foreshadowing for Jamie. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because that is that fits this theory really well. Imagine the irony if Bran becomes king after Jamie, Jamie. who's trying to murder his way to the throne, doesn't kill Bran but tries to, and that's the guy who takes the throne from him. That would be really ironic, right? <laughs> just that no longer works because Jamie isn't that character. Jamie is not just this guy who murders his way to the throne. That's Jamie's nothing like that. But you can see where that still would fit, even the original outline. So I love that's part of why I like it a lot. Um, as long as you're reading that first chapter, look for foreshadowing of Bran being the Night King also. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, how else does this work out? Let's think about these great councils. Okay, so the first great council <clears throat> was uh, called by Jaehaerys himself. He was still alive. He was the king. He was just old. And so that one maybe isn't the best example. Um, the second great council came 70 years ago. And who presided over it? The Three-Eyed Raven, Blood Raven. <laughs> <laughs> he and the reason he was able to do it is because he was a really powerful hand of the king. He had been hand of the king for 25 years for two different kings. He was a powerful figure, and so when he's like, "Look, we need we need to call a great council because there's no clear air here," people listened. Now, who could do that? Tyrion. Tyrion could do that. Tyrion could call the great council. He could say, "Look, we all need to do." And by the way, another character, <laughs> a character who was on both sides of the war in the Dance of the Dragons, when they finally sat down. Uh, to decide who would be king. It wasn't a great council. It was just, they had what was called the Hour of the Wolf. And the Hour of the Wolf was Cregan Stark, this powerful northern, young, powerful northern lord, coming down and dispensing justice on everyone, cutting people's heads off, telling them they all did bad things. And one of the heads cut off was Laris, the master of whispers who changed (laughs) sides multiple times during the war. (laughs) So who would this character be? Who would the Hour of the, who would Cregan Stark in this scenario? Sansa. The iron justice per the person who has become very like justice, like treason, this, that very, very kind of harsh, but correct in a lot of ways. It just lines up so well for this end game. You got Sansa as Cregan. You got Tyrion as the ha- Blood, Blood Raven, Raven who brings everybody together to talk about it. Varus is Loras. Varus is Loras and the Broken King after the Dance of the Dragons, after this huge battle between two factions of Targaryens, is Aegon Third, who I used to think had, and still do, think has lots of John vibes. But considering him as a Bran character, it works really well too. Okay, so here's Aegon Third. Grew up, hardly ever talked, 
was depressed all the time, stared at the sky a lot, which is something that skin changers do, <laughs> uh, wore all black, which is kind of a John vibe, and had no sense of humor, <laughs> also kind of a John vibe, but now a brand vibe too. And his name was the Broken King, and Bran's the Bran the Broken. So uh, he's also the Dragon Bane. The dragons died out during his reign, and that's John vibes partly. And he rode a dragon, and the dragon was killed under him, which might be John vibes too. So, woo. there's a lot. All right. To, 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 I just had a lot. Go I ahead. don't think it's a silly theory, but yeah. I don't think it's happening in the show. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, no, it's no slam dunk. It fits, yeah. but it's another one of the things that's like, ah, I don't know it, about that. For it's one, it's just a lot to happen oh, in yeah. the next two episodes. Mm-hmm. and um, I agree. And it's again. It avoids this issue of John or yeah. Danny being on the throne at the end. It's like people are like at each. It's like, well, what if it's yeah. neither? Well, by the way, I want to point out, even if it's neither Danny or John, it doesn't mean we have to find some other person for it to be. It might just be no one. There just might not be an Iron Throne at the end. The Seven Kingdoms might just fall apart. Yeah, that's true. That could happen. Absolutely. Which is another, I'm going to say, prediction of sorts that I have. I I think we're going to get this moment where we kind of scroll through the state of things. And we'll see Braun and Highgarden and never Tyrion in <laughs> King's Landing happen, or not King's Landing but uh, <laughs> uh, Castle Rock Sansa and Winterfell and you know we'll just see the Yara and the Iron Islands we'll just see the lords of the different kingdoms as, as we close the story out without necessarily anyone on the Iron Throne or maybe someone on the Iron Throne and it's like this I don't want to say this this meaningless victory they're on they're, they're king of the ashes you know what I mean? They'll be on the Iron Throne, but there will be no kingdoms united a- a- around them. And the okay. literally ashes on the floor, uh, et cetera, you know. Cool. I-, I think something similar to what we've talked about, which is Iron Throne destroyed. No one's ruling the Seven Kingdoms. They're not united. The, the-, the realm is fractured into a bunch of different, you know, not necessarily even the Seven Kingdoms okay. at that point. Um, and that they show all of this. Like how how Westeros is left through one of those montage things, hmm. kind of you know. They also might all like be in these positions of power, and just be sad. Gendry <laughs> all alone in the Stormlands, you know, like Arya, it, it, the the Hulk music of that sad music. <laughs> She'll be riding down the street. Speaking of Gendry, I saw a great pun for him. There was a picture of him like. Um, being rejected by Arya, and that's Gen Dry. And then when they're about to have sex, that's Gen Wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little better visually, but it still works. <laughs> uh, some more questions. A super chat from Power Scissor. Thank you. Also from Lisa Asta. Herb Thompson says Drogon survives and devours Sansa for trying to be the new Littlefinger. That's a twist. <laughs> um, how does this little tiny dragon eat Sansa, though? This is look at this thing. How does that happen? From Philip Wolf, uh, two super chats saying Sansa is Middlefinger. <laughs> 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 Love it. That's great. <laughs> she does give the middle finger to a lot of people <laughs> proverbially, and it's so usually deserved. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> That's great. Ahmed Ali says, who do you think the Prince of Dorne is? A Dane. Ah, well, it could be. I would be. I would love that with the old Dane shirt representing. You talked about this a bit on Wednesday as well, about the, the laughable idea of be. Dark Star being the Prince of Dorne. <laughs> yeah, they could just do that to, to, to throw a to needle us book readers like, yep, we'll name this guy Gerald Dane. How about that? We'll call him Gerald. He's like, what? Dark Star making him the ruler. Damn it. 
from Chelsea Roberts. In episode four, during the council meeting slash travel planning scene, it looked like John moved Danny's token to go with him on the King's Road and Grey Worm moved it back. <laughs> Why? If he doesn't want to be with her. I didn't notice that. It's hard to respond to that question because it, it is weird that they didn't travel together. Like that would be maybe a way for them to kind of work this out. Like talk, if they travel together, they could maybe talk some of these problems out. But they traveled separately. And... uh <sighs> One part of that might be that, you know, if you're being really cynical, having John with Danny's army makes sense because there's no way John's going to, like, take control of Danny's army. <laughs> He's the Unsullied and Dothraki will not follow John. They, like, other lords might, for sure. Like, in fact, it's almost likely that they would, given certain circumstances. But the Unstrac Un Unsullied and Dothraki are Danny's, 100%, like, period. I don't think there's any way. There's no other leader they would follow, which, by the way, is a problem, too, if she dies and they're still around. <laughs> What do they do with them, you know? I can imagine if she dies, like, in the midst of the battle for King's Landing, they'll keep fighting the battle for King's Landing. Okay. They uh, may not even know she's dead. Right. Although, if they see her dragon go down, that might worry. And but, I also think know. that that's something that's we're just not going to get in the show. But I would love to see more characters from those forces and how some of them may be won over by John. I remember back in, I guess it was season seven, when, when John was at Dragonstone. And uh, I think it was Masunday, or, oh God, it's killing me, I can't remember, but told John, talk to Dothraki. They, they love her. Go go get with their opinion, you know, to see why they love her mm. so much, you know. I thought we were going to get that. I thought John, <laughs> they were, they were going to get a good conversation between John and some Dothraki, and it didn't happen. I hope it happens in the books. That would be good. That would be good. Now, <laughs> I, I like that she mentioned, that Chelsea mentioned Grey Worm here, because it's a good segue. We, wanted, we brought him up at the beginning as a character that, you know, we wrongly predicted his death. But now it's time to talk about what he's all about. I mean, part of the fun of Game of Thrones is, is that there's so many characters to talk about. And Grey Worm, well, it may not be fun to talk about the, the state he's in, but he deserves some attention. And we want to kind of figure out what's up with him. I know him dying in this battle, going out like a hero, makes some sense. Uh, it might be more tragic if he survives and has to live with, especially if Danny doesn't. You know, then he's not even with her. He doesn't even have his queen to, to stand by and guard or, or whatever he wants to do, if that's even what he wants to do, which... Didn't sound like he wanted to do that <laughs> when Masande was around because he wanted to go to Nath with her. But now, like, obviously that's out the door, so yeah. I don't know what he wants to do. Um, but he's very mad. We're, we're also told that Raleigh Ritchie, or Raleigh Ritchie, uh, Jacob Anderson, he's got all these names, like Ashea said, um, <laughs> said that even his character faces conflict this season. Even this character has, you know, that's the thing, that all the characters have to face, like, tough decisions. And even that comes for Grey Worm. And I'm really kind of wondering what that could matter, how that could play out. Like, if does he, is his loyalty to Danny tested? That would be, like, the ultimate thing now. Now that Masande is out of the picture. Because, like, if it was a choice between Masande and Danny, well, that, you could see that. But now, like, what is now, what, what would the choice be now? Like, good versus... Right versus wrong, you know, or is he just hyper loyal to Danny because of who she is and what he's what she's done for him? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you? What are your thoughts on Grey Worm? Love to hear it. He might have uh, more. He might have a, a list like Arya's now. Ooh. And number one on his list is probably the Mountain. Number number two is Cersei, something like that. A, qu a quick thought, by the way, is it? I, I wish I had thought to 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 prep Shay to bring this image up, but. There's one shot of Cersei, mountain in the background. And I was just thinking about the idea of how he's just like a shadow to her. They're, they're almost one and the same. Casts a very large shadow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and I, I, I can't envision, I, I'm like as we've been talking, I started to envision how Cersei might die. I told you I had a hard time seeing how it would happen on yeah. screen. 
I could see this collection of people who want to kill Cersei and or the mountain encircling them. Mm. You know, you got Arya, of course, Danny, Sandor, now Grey Worm, just uh, all standing around Cersei and the mountain. Like, <laughs> who's going to get to do it? <laughs> it might be like a, a Julius Caesar moment where they're all, all they all land to... a blow. You know? <laughs> wow. That could be it. Um and uh, yeah, like for example, what if uh, one thing that could go be conflicting for Graham or if Danny backs down? Et tu, Jamie? Yeah, et tu, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can I say something? If anyone's really bummed about the Grey Worm and Masande stuff, look up, I don't know, Grey Worm Masande Running Man Challenge or oh, something yes, like that. A, yeah. That should find it for you. And it's just them behind the scenes doing that Running Man Challenge, you know. Aziz, you want to sing it for us? At night, I think of you. I want to be your Do we have a thousand viewers? If yeah, you do. So that does this count? No, he was. But you know the lyrics. I mean, Aziz and I, no joke, you. have spent a lot of time watching those videos and listening to that song. And, and laughing. And, yeah, I have tears go down my face when I watch those videos. So yeah, just a, a little lighthearted something because that yeah. was sad. That'll raise. The, that'll that'll bring us back onto the fun side of things. Right after that dance, she got killed. <laughs> <laughs> so all right um let's talk about clegane bowl we talked about the mountain just now so that's a good segue uh it seems to be happening but it, the circumstances could be really interesting because man one thing there's going to be at king's landing is a lot of fire and that's even without this potential wildfire explosion which could be like whoa well that would that's even more fire that's even scarier but yeah i don't uh, that's could just gonna he's gonna really have to face that and his brother, and that could be very compelling because they've done a pretty good job with Sandor in some ways. Some of his characterization versus the book is is a little shallow, but this part that they focused on the fire part, his fear of fire, they've done a good job with. I think they've re remembered that and, and played it out well. It's been compelling. Uh, so considering they've condensed his character into brother hating, fire fearing. Uh, it makes sense that these would be the two major elements in play for him to face. Yeah. Uh, but he's got Arya with him, and that could that could you know, my my head for Arya and the mountain is that uh, Arya because Arya wants to kill the mountain too. Her two remaining names on her list are Arya and Cersei, and it really seems like Wait. Sandor. What'd I'm sorry, say? I said Arya and Cersei. I meant <laughs> she doesn't want to kill herself. <laughs> Cersei and the mountain, and well, I can kind of see like. Her helping him kill the mountain, and but he gets to kill deal the killing blow, and she's and he gets a little mad. He's like, "You interfered with me." He's like, "Hey, he messed me too. I at least get to stab him in the leg or something." Yeah. <laughs> she, and she's like, "He's like, well, actually, okay, that is fair, you know. All right, <laughs> now we're done." Yeah, I could see them <clears throat> sneaking in through the tunnels, you know, battle. She knows the, the tunnels. You're on right. ambushing the fleet, trying to carry John's forces across from Dragonstone. Uh, you know, Yara showing up to save the fleet. And in, in the meantime, Sandor and Arya sneaking through the tunnels. By the way, up. we're thinking of who, what face she could steal to get close to Cersei? Kyburn. Yeah. Besides, we named Jamie. That's obvious. But Kyburn. <clears throat> did you guys name Bernadette before? Bernadette. Oh, her <laughs> handmaiden. We did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> your look on your face. Like, Bernadette. I thought you making a joke. No, no Bernadette is the handmaiden. The one that changed her hairstyle to Cersei's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good I mean, call. You know, yeah. If that character were more prominent. Or or what about um Murray, the sex worker? <laughs> that is yeah. her, too. She doesn't have any reason to be near Cersei. No, but. Bernadette's very close to her, though. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Vasquez says, 
I think we'll see a similar fight between Oberyn and the Mountain with Grey Worm. Hmm. That could be kind of cool. It would be cool, but I don't think so. Too, there's too many people in line. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe that's what will happen. Maybe the Mountain will chop down one after another. Maybe he'll Ooh, chop down Grey Worm. Grey Worm. Oh, man. And then Sander will take him out. Chop down, maybe, Ooh. Jamie. We saw that foreshadowed, you know. I don't know how Braun is still, maybe, maybe he doesn't have anything to do with this. I don't know, but... He did make the comment about 20 good men will get him into the veil. Like, By the way, I meant, you know what, you, you brought up Braun and, for Highgarden, and I, I forgot to make a point. I keep coming back to that talk at the beginning of season seven, where Braun and Jamie are on the towers looking down at the Dothraki, or looking down at the Unsullied, and, they're, and it's this crude conversation about not having cocks. But it really, it was a really meaningful conversation. Yeah. Like, what do people, because it was getting at what do people fight for? What is their motivate? Why do men fight in armies? Braun really nailed it. He's like, whoa. If you don't have a family and you don't have a cock, what is there to fight for? And I'm thinking about that for Grey Worm. Like, he doesn't have a lover. He doesn't have the ability to make his own family. Like, that is tough to think about. Revenge right now. Yes, He's absolutely. Got revenge to fight for. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That is, and that is the thing. But which after is, that, which is why, why we're like, is he staying in Westeros? You know, yeah, like. yeah. So that's, that's kind of tragic. <clears throat> It, like, I just want to say, by the way, there's some people that are like, his story was already tragic or he already didn't have anything to live, whatever. The, the things that people have said about the fact that he doesn't have, you know, equipment down there. I'm like, yeah, but he's still a person and has a life and goals. And like, of course. even after Missandei's dead and he's like, can't start a family, maybe he like takes some time and he realizes, hey, there's a lot of injustice in the world. And then he becomes the dark worm or something <laughs> like that. You know, that would be like, great. That would like, be a wonderful just, He doesn't have to have as sexual equipment or urges to, to, to be valid in a person. No, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't have to have it. But the th- the fact is that that is what drives a huge percentage of all people is to, to yeah. end that way. So they it's hard that, for people to understand which, why I wanted to, which is why I wanted to give it a, 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 a mention that, that yeah. like he, he doesn't have to just like, oh, he has nothing he could ever live for now. Right. right. And also you could have family even past, you know, you don't necessarily have to be castrated to lose your sexual desires, right? Like, he hasn't a 70 yeah, year old woman yeah. still could care about her children and maybe she's not going to go into battle for them I guess but maybe she would if she could Yeah. and again another little frustration I have is that I feel like Grey Worm if you just think about it his character should have close bonds with many other characters there are many other Unsullied that he would be working with and training with and counseling and, and you know, but we just see none of that. And mm-hmm. he would still fight for them. He would yeah. still care yeah. about them and have friendships and bonds Definitely. beyond yeah. like, it's not like Danny and two die. people in the world. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not like that their conclusions were right that, hey, if you don't have a cocky <laughs> thing to fight for, it was the, con- the con- that's, that's, that's the point about calling it crude, you know? Right. It's, right. The, it's the, the, qu- the other questions it raises. It's interesting. It's like, well... If you really want a family and can't have one, what are your answer? You know, what are your options? You know, um, and and there, and Deshaies is right. There are other options, but mm-hmm. some people see life more simply. And if that main thing is removed, that having no family is is not an option. It 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 can be, leave you pretty bereft, I suppose. Um, I, also, I also want to point out people in the chat saying Grey Worm could adopt. Absolutely, Great. Well, adoption is you know yeah. you, you can know. You, it's not an official thing and but it's a, it's, it's, it's real enough house, but you know it's real you, enough anyway be a mentor I, figure to somebody yeah he could he could find he could be a, he could have a squire he could have sort. a dunk yeah he yeah. could find himself he, a little dunk he could have yeah. a theon <laughs> <laughs> works on a lot of levels <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about a little more about Jamie though we talked a lot about him but I want to talk about well not Jamie specifically but but Brienne we talked about this a bit before and whether she can appear in this battle. Because let's let's be honest, if even if Jamie's words cut her to the chase, which they probably did, her character is not the oh I give up type. Not even a little. I mean that is a she's a pick herself back up, 
and fight kind of character. So do you think she might show up at King's Landing? You think she might follow? I think she might, but I think it it's not as simple as even if like whether Jamie was intending to or not, if his her his words keep her back, like he doesn't love me anyway, screw him, I'm not going to help. Even if she's like, no, I am going to help. He didn't really mean it. Even if he did mean it, I don't care. I can't let this go. She is, I think, more committed to Sansa. She's more committed to Sansa. So it's more a question of whether or not Sansa would allow or insist on her going mm. than whether she wants to. Does that yeah, make sense? I agree. And San- I think Sansa would let her because Sansa's not that kind of <clears throat> like, no, I need and you I here think, to guard me. But Padre, right. but, I, but I don't think she would encourage her. her. I don't think she right. would tell she her. She would encourage right. it. I don't think Sansa. Sansa yeah, I, I don't think Sansa would encourage it. It's I don't un- think she unhealthy. would order it. I think it. She might detect it. Brienne might even ask for it. However, I'm not going to see any of that. We're just not going to see any winner. We're not. Gonna, I don't think we're going to see any of them in this episode. Hmm. That, that's my prediction. We just okay. don't, the opportunity won't come up. So. All right. I don't believe Brienne's going to show up at the last minute to save the day. Well, I don't think she's going to save the day. I think she might show up. <laughs> to be involved. But Jamie, I think Jamie's going to die, and she's not going to save him. But, you know, we shall see. All right, last questions, and then we're done for the day. It's almost four. We appreciate y'all sticking with us, or anyone who tuned in late, coming in to catch the end here. Still time to get in a few questions. From Fred Targaryen's Uncle Daddy, I appreciate you guys and your positivity, but is there anyone left you want to see die? Throw us haters a bone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, sure, I would like to see the mountain die. I would like to see Cersei die. I would like to see Euron die. I would like to see Kyburn die. I don't want to see Kyburn die. I want to see Kyburn die. I mean... I want to see him continue to be hand, whoever the new king is. I want them to recognize how great Kyburn was and want them on their side. You like Kyburn way too much. You need to read the books further and you'll be like, this is the person I've been supporting? Do you know that Kyburn... Do you remember, uh, we, we have a mutual friend named Adrian who passed many years ago. Kyburn's chap, chapters of Kyburn gave her legitimate nightmares. Like she had nightmares about Kyburn and she was an MMA fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty freaky. I mean, in the well, show, I haven't he got there too, yet. We'll yeah, see. He's we'll real see bad how, in the books. Yes, he's a opinions. torturer. Yeah. He's really bad. <laughs> I, I don't like Kyburn. He freaks me out too. So, yes. <laughs> it's, it's one of the more jarring opinions that you could have, <laughs> but it makes sense because well, I, he's. I have had multiple nightmares yeah. with Gregor Clegane with the mountain. <laughs> Who was so, made by Kyburn. And so, yeah, made by Kyburn. And specifically that version of him, the Kyborg, that I've had nightmares about. Yeah, so the mountain was bad before Kyborg. Bad before right, him, and true. afterwards he's even more freaky and terrifying yeah. to me. So he might I will be feel not bad good now. with him dead. Yeah, like if you think about what we've seen the mountain do, <laughs> worse before Kyburn yeah, than after. Worse. And now he I, may I have agree. done worse things that we haven't seen, but and what we've seen from Kyburn, like I think the worst thing that we've seen him do is kill Pycel. That's the most violent thing like you know what i mean like he he's maybe encouraged Cersei. he's been on the wrong side or whatever but we haven't actually seen him do an evil malicious mean thing we've only seen him be ingenious we've only seen I'm him i'm not sure about that i'm not 100 percent sure about it but <laughs> i can't think of anything i'm bringing it up if anyone's got something tell me you know I mean, I think serving Cersei is evil. I don't think right, that's, true. I don't think that's yeah. a, a... I mean, a, he literally has escape. had women tied up in his dungeon and tortured them. We didn't see that in the show. I mean, in the show, Ilaria and Tyene, like, that was all because that's what Cersei wanted, but, like, they... Kyburn was part of that. Did we see him in those scenes? He was there, yeah. I guess. She did say he made the poison. Yeah. 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 So I anyway. guess he's about on par with Ilaria. He's about as evil as Ilaria. He's about as evil as Varus and Pycelle and... No. 
It depends on what you think their motivations are. <laughs> Varus, I think, yes. You could have got, I think you have the case with Varus, but I don't think, I'm not sure about Pycelle. And uh, anyway. It's, Pycelle uh, was it's on board with question. murdering Danny, you know, I don't know. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, but he was. Pycelle had the same little birds so with daggers would, that Kyber so got. Kyber, you know, so would Kyber. Yeah, okay with that. Yeah. Like that's not a differentiator, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I, sh- I should. I should be clear. Not arguing that he's a good righteous character, but he is a. Savvy. You wanted him to be someone's so, so, hand. Okay, I, I hear a couple things. Some people say what he did to the mountain was also immoral. Yeah, um, yeah I don't think so. You could, but you could say it. I, you th- yeah. I think it is. Like if you if you say that he has some amount of control over him, or w- it depends yeah, on what you've you made think a, about you've that. made us a, a slave automaton. I don't think that's moral. I don't think there's anything good about that. I'm I'm unsure. <laughs> I'm unsure. <laughs> like if you make a robot, is it immoral? Like it's different. It can be. It can be immoral. There are you yeah, 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 I mean, yes, right. Yes. I bring that up because if I you think make it could a be, robot like, yeah. that can feel pain and you make it design it to feel pain, yeah, like yeah. and suffer constantly. I mean, that's evil. Is it was having a baby immoral? You made a person can that can be, feel yeah, pain. No, 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 no. I meant you designed them to be in pain. Yeah. Like okay, you, okay. Which, yeah. which the mountain may very well be in constant pain. Yeah. Which he, what yeah. he was when he died. He was, yeah. Well, maybe Kyber's like working pretty, yeah. to alleviate the mountain's pain. He's trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> we got a, a chat the strangest Kyber said, What's up, guys? Just woke up from a nap. Am I still dreaming or is Sean saying Kyber is a good dude? <laughs> <laughs> Not a good dude, a successful dude. Yeah, I don't deny a that. Valuable he's, dude. He's certainly successful. successful. He's certainly he is MVP. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I want to see him die. That, that's one. I'll agree on the mountain. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. Uh, and who is another one? Um, okay, I said yeah. Some other. I mean, I'm thinking of King's Landing. None of these people. are. None of these are very, very. Oh, Robert, Robert Aaron. Even though he's just a kid, you want to <laughs> see him die? Really? I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I want. I have a weird. I'm, I'm looking at this in a weird way, but I, I want. It's, it's, I, again, like I, I have a hard time even expressing these words, but. I want Davos to die. I want Tyrion to die. Yeah, but that's not I the want question. The stakes to be this real, is you want you know? them to die because you don't like them. Okay, this—that's okay. the question. No reframing well, the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. Philip Wolf asks, "What has been your favorite all-time moment from the series so far, and what would you like to see most before it all ends?" Thanks for the stream. Uh, my favorite all-time moment from the series so far—it's hard to say. Recent moment would be Jenny's song. And Brienne's Nighting, which were kind of tied together. I, I call that one moment. It was, it's fair to call that two moments, but they were so close together. Um, I'll have to think about while you guys are answering, maybe I can think of a different one from pr- a prior season, but. I have a couple and I haven't thought I, about this enough I to be very think sure. I that this is a better question that we should grab the question and put it in our, the last our, our next, another yeah. episode and think about it over a week and just grab it like we've okay. done before. Um, Good point. So, Philip Wolf, we are teasing you with our thoughts of <laughs> Jenny's song being up there for sure. Um, but I think, and we're going to address what we want to see most before it all ends. So, we'll we'll address this more in a future episode. Yeah. Well, we've talked about some of the things we wanted to see before it all ends, like certain deaths and certain characterizations happening. Um, I would like to see the... F- I want a montage or something at the end to see all the characters that we might, you know, like Tormund, see like, give, show us where they're at, you know, give us a like, this is where these characters are at now. And it would be awesome if that extended to some characters we really haven't seen in a while, though I really don't think so. Like, they're not going to give us a Dario moment. Michael, like the the real world logistics of getting Michael Huisman, a, a successful actor, and to do that one scene is a little tricky. So it's it's hard to ask for that. But hey, this is what what I'd like to see, and so I don't care about what's legitimate or not. That's what I want to see. I admit it's not likely at all. I, I would I would like to see them come up with a new form of government. That's okay, what I like to see. I don't know how it'll go if they're all sleeping on a throne, but I at least want a conversation where they consider electing a leader. Okay, so let's say. 
if they do the brand thing. Would that count as a new form of government if it's if he's a god king instead of a human monarch? Cause suppose, he, yeah, you know, especially because we maybe gotta assume he won't have like wants. a son to be the heir. You it's know, not, it's like not a, like Bran is immortal. He's not like in his tree. No, like, but in terms he is of a god, god king. I didn't say he was immortal, but he's a okay. god king because he has all these godlike powers. Okay, I just tend yeah. to think of god kings as having like extended life. Oh, he spans. does probably have an extended <laughs> life. It probably just isn't immortality. Yeah. You know, right? Uh, probably. Uh, also, part of Bran being king, I, I assume, would mean that the next king won't be his oldest son. They'll have to have yeah. come up with some different way to pick the next king, which is yeah. kind of what I want, really. You know, like I, I would be okay having a, a king, right? That is like the, the leader for life. They don't necessarily get reelected every four years. They're, they're the ruler for life. However, the next king isn't their oldest son, just some yeah, random just, arbitrary person yeah. that might be good or not. You Go know? back to the king's moot situation. Exactly. Like have a new way to figure out who the new leader is whenever the sense. current leader's gone. Because we know cool. the king's moot went really well for the great noise <laughs> in the book. No one manipulated that at all. No, it's, no... it's fine. <laughs> and we all know that the U.S. and other government systems have no flaws. Yeah, yeah. We don't have bad people elected all no the time. No one bad ever gets elected. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Never. No. That, um, <laughs> that had no effect on me whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Alan Carstairs asks, if the throne gets destroyed, what happens to the Iron Bank? Can you ask the guys? Yeah, so the throne is supposedly whoever the Iron Bank is going to make, whoever takes the throne, pay off these debts. Well, what if they're, that's a good question. What happens if there is no throne to to pay, oh, these debts? Who would they charge these debts to? Or if they don't acknowledge it. What if Danny's like... Cersei borrowed money from you. I didn't borrow money from you. you did not support me. Yeah. Yeah. Why on earth would she pay them except if she was worried about them taking it? I don't know. That's when theoretically they they threatened to send the faceless men after her. Yeah. uh, I feel like that's too big an issue for the show to possibly There's no way they could resolve it. This is more of a theoretical thing. Yeah. 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 We get at most a line of dialogue that that envoy shows up. I feel like you you, you see this at the ending of the show. Tycho Nostora shows up to be like, the Iron Bank is glad that things worked out for you, your grace. (laughs) Whatever, yeah. one sentence, he's there, he's at the council, or if you get what you want, Sean, and she and rolls her eyes like, oh boy. You know, whatever. That, that he's, he's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From Shadow Fox, just love listening to you guys. I enjoyed the book you contributed to, and of course, Shay is the best. Well, thank you for purchasing The Thrones Effect, which Sean has a copy of sitting right here in front. Yeah, you can pick that up from Amazon. You can go directly to our website and get a copy. And we appreciate you mentioning it, Shadow Fox. Little Angry Irishman, or Lil Angry Irishman, says, any chance of a time jump by a couple months and a baby? For the last episode, yeah, I could see that maybe happening. For I this, could see for, that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a possibility there. Um, but, uh, in fact, it's, it's, it's even maybe slightly likely. Between Gilly, the potential of Danny being pregnant. Maybe one, it's too late for that to show I feel like fates. too much time has passed. But. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, if you, and especially <laughs> if we have an episode six, like an ending montage, and time has passed, then, I, then people we've named that are technically possible are Gilly, Danny, Arya, and Brienne mm. are the t- four people that you could be like, oh, wow, they have a baby now, yeah. or they're pregnant or that's something. It's, you don't have strong. to see the, the, that the baby was born. You would just like see that they are pregnant. Yeah, just get the I have to say, I'm very, I know it's the whole a dream of spring and all that, but I'm I'm like so tired of like, is this person pregnant or is this person <laughs> pregnant? Like, yeah, Gilly's pregnant. And the actress, I guess, is pregnant in real life or something like that. I don't know. That's what people were saying. Oh. Um, I, I thought that's what people were saying early in the season. And then she actually turned out to be pregnant in the show. So I was like, I guess that worked <laughs> out. But I really don't want Arya or Brienne or Danny to have, have been pregnant. Right on. Okay. Couple more questions. What can't we expect? It'll be Mayhem Incorporated. Will Bronn finally get his castle and beautiful wife? (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, maybe we can't expect that. No, I think he might get something. I, I I feel like Braun might be a survivor. I think he might be the like that. See, another like uncouth bit of wisdom he dropped was that point with the you know when he's like when Jamie's like, oh, you never get this noble scene. He's like. Pretty much all those nobles he'd started with some scumby, yeah. scumbag like me. And he's totally right. <laughs> I mean, not all of them started that way. But he's right that a lot of them started with some awful person doing awful things who stopped doing awful things once they got that seat. I think it was at our Wednesday stream that someone brought up um, this tying potentially into the prequel show with yes. Lauren the Clever. Joe, uh, Joe Buckley said that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is a really brilliant idea. I don't know if they're being that clever, but obviously we, we think we, we will see Lan and, you know, the idea is that, you know, Lan winkled uh, the Casterlies out of Casterly Rock and there's a lot of theories about that from marriage and trickery and whatever. There's a lot of theories about it, but just the idea of, of, of that theme coming up here again with yeah. Brock. It wasn't noble deeds that earned him Casterly Rock. No, it wasn't. Yeah, no. yeah it wasn't it was, fighting it was for justice, trickery. sir. Yeah. But it wasn't also just slaughtering people, it doesn't seem. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a few, maybe he <laughs> killed someone off screen and was like, oh, how did that happen? But yeah, you're right. It, it certainly wasn't just abject, like, slaughtering his way to this high seat. That Definitely not that. Um, so that is, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, I thought that this is one of the things that makes me enjoy Braun, even though a lot of people don't like him. It's just that, that some of the topics he raises are actually quite interesting from a philosophical standpoint. And they bring up things from the books that are interesting. Like we talked about, we didn't get to talk about on Wednesday, but I wanted to talk because we, we ran out of time, but talk about how during the dance of the dragons, some of the guys who ended up riding dragons were, were peasants. Um, because they people got they got desperate to find <coughs> dragon riders. They tried to find people who maybe had the touch of Targaryen blood or whatever that allowed them to ride a dragon. And some of these guys, as soon as they got this power, they turned into real awful people. I and mean, they may probably weren't that good to begin with, but it was just showing you the power corrupts them. And, and a lot of these guys were just up jumped like regular soldiers, or one guy's a blacksmith's bastard, you know. And uh, they were dragon riders all of a sudden, and it's like whoa. <laughs> so. Uh, that's kind of like Braun getting Highgarden, you know? <laughs> In fact, one of those guys wanted Highgarden. Yeah. <laughs> one of those yeah. dragon riders wanted Highgarden. So it definitely reminded us of that because it was the exact same castle. Um, so that's, yeah. We'll have to spend some time on that as a standalone topic in an episode when we have more time for it. I keep skipping it because it was supposed to be Wednesday and we don't have time for it here, but it really does deserve more attention. It's, a, it's an interesting subject for sure. Uh, also relates to the Golden Company. The Golden Company in the books are... Cell swords descended from Westerosi exiles who lost their family seats due to uh, certain civil wars or other things. Treason. Blackfire rebellions in particular. Mm -hmm. Treason, yeah. And so, and so a lot of them are fourth generation guys who want that family seat back. But now they're just a cell sword. You know, they're a, a, kill, a hired killer. And that's who's going to get these seats back. And that could happen in the books because the Golden Company is, is, uh, Dish is is making some is is scoring some victories early on, um, you know, in the slower book style campaign where they take castle here, castle there. I've heard people speculate on whether or not the Golden Company turns on Cersei. Yeah, and uh, you know, maybe Harry Strickland gets Heron Hall or something. Yeah, I don't if know. they're losing and they're like, why should do we you lose? hate We're Harry not... Strickland or something? You want to be a Heron Hall? <laughs> <laughs> Harry Hall, it's well, his name. <laughs> Danny would give him last pick, you know, like. <laughs> Heron Harry Harry, <laughs> Harry Hall yeah it's it, it's a natural fit okay so uh, from Johnny of House Harrison Q&A what do you picture as the final scene of Game of Thrones well the first scene was beyond the wall and I don't think we'll get that again but it could be it could be I, the, I the think we get 
opening up blue eyes. Okay, that's what I think. That would be cool. I can't. I definitely can't argue against that. Um, it's not my my pick, but I definitely think it's a, a, a good pick. I think it's. Um, I think it might be uh, a shot if 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 there is still a throne, and someone's on it, like Bran or John. That's the final shot. Um, but it could be. Yeah, it could be something like what you said. That's my. I think your pick is is good, but I just want to say something different. Yeah, I think your pick is also good. Someone on an Iron Throne, but that person, it'll be tragic. That person will be. They're not going to be happy be about sad. it. Yeah, they'll be yeah. head head in their hand. If the show had done that, the Iron Throne is deadly. Just sitting on like you cut yourself, like a lot of people cut themselves on it. They yeah. would show that maybe that would be a cool yeah. way to show someone cutting themselves on the Iron Throne. <laughs> um, uh, okay, it'd be like I'll- a nice. So I yes. should say mine now? Yes. I think it'll, okay, I'll, I'll name three potential ones. Maybe they'll be in like succession. I think we'll see dire, I like your idea, Sean, of like direwolf beyond the wall, dragon in Valyria, then Iron Throne just destroyed. So I think, cool. I which one of those three is the actual last one? And I think we'll see those three in the final shots as part of it. If they show the Iron Throne destroyed, they could reshow the destroyed wall. Yeah, kind of, maybe that too, neat. but I just like, again, like me coming before. back to that idea of an ending yeah. montage, allowing them to yeah. show all of these things. Yeah, that's, that's what I was saying. It fits into a montage so, really well. just showing that shot, which, and I, I, even your idea of, of blue eyes opening, I like, just because I do, I'm very much behind the idea that this is all cyclical. They're, the idea that this has happened in the past means that it has to happen in the future. They didn't just defeat it forever, I think, so... I would like to see a, a hint of that somewhere. So I, I, I like the idea of that. I, Combine I the ideas. Brand's blue eyes opening on the throne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, he looks down at his, his wrist and scratches it. <laughs> and the mark, Night King's mark glows. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, so he's not actually the new Night King, but he is the king. And he's <laughs> got blue eyes. That would be close enough. That would probably, people would claim victory for the theory. He's the new theory. day king. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> Brand learning seated karate. <laughs> Thomas Pappas, final question. Totally off topic, but also really curious what Sean Aziz and Shea's all time favorite movies are. If picking one is too hard, two or three will do. You can save this till the very end. It's super random. Well, we did save it till we the did, very end. We <laughs> did, and I've got my answers, and Sean's oh. probably upset that he didn't see this question and hasn't been thinking well, about your, it. What are your top three on Flick Chart right now? Well, yeah, I can I can tell okay. you if, I, if I'm pinned to pick one, Star Wars, New Hope, That that's my number one all-time favorite movie. And I think my number two... I'm gonna. If I'm not careful, I'll go on and on talking about the nature of list yeah. making no, and how I pick favorite movies. But but I have. I think number two, I picked The Princess Bride, and, and Ooh, I'll say both cool. those big reasons for both of those. Just I saw them when I was a kid. I kind of grew up with them. But also, it's worth noting that they fit the, the hero's journey. You know, the, mm. the well, Joseph Campbell. Yeah, it's talked a lot about how through different cultures, there's been this commonality and mythology of the hero's journey and it the similarities are kind of what define us define humanity the differences are what define different cultures but but you could see this story all over the place from luke skywalker to mm-hmm. frodo to jesus okay, so or whatever two, sean yeah you're gonna name a third <laughs> but or that go? pattern that they go through yes are you gonna name a third or you go with two i'm good with two i'm good with okay two. Do you have an answer, Aziz, or should I go ahead? You can go ahead. Um, my favorite all-time comedy movie of all time is Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> um, I absolutely, I mean, I love anything, you know, David Wayne, Michael Showalter, but in particular, Wet Hot American Summer, all the series, it's hard to compare it. It's not fair because it has a bunch of TV series. 
I particularly, I mean, I love Star Wars and I want to name Star Wars just as a whole. But when it comes down to naming an individual movie, it becomes very hard for me. Mm -hmm. Reasons I won't get into. So I'm just going to say Star Wars as a whole for that. And then for my other spot, I really want to say one of my Jim Henson favorites. It would come down to Labyrinth versus The Dark Crystal, I think. I think it's Labyrinth, but it's tight. It's close. But I, I would want to have that represented. So those would be three of my favorite films, uh, favorite franchises, you know, styles. I don't know. Cool. You know, I, I think I do want to name a third, especially because my first two are, are very similar in a lot of ways. Amelie. Amelie. Okay, perfect. Yeah, if yeah, I, I think Amelie. that might be my third And you got movie. one with a female lead in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Checks out that box. Yeah. Um, so for me... Well, it's difficult. I'm, I'm, I struggle to make top ten lists and to play and to pick favorites in general. Uh, but my, but my favorite all-time apocalyptic dragon film is Reign of Fire. So that's number one. The, the number one all-time apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic dragon film is definitely Reign of Fire. But uh, if picking a favorite movie, I think I would go with Monty Python and the Life of Brian or Monty Python and the Meaning of Life. I watched both those movies relentlessly also as a kid and I can quote them uh, almost exclusively <laughs> all the way through and I just still find them hilarious. So, Not uh, Holy Grail. I love Holy Grail, but, but it's, it's I, I think it's third out of those three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, partly because it's it's more ubiquitous and the, it's just been done over and over, and people everyone quotes that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so that wore off okay. a little bit. It's still hilarious. I would watch it again in a second at the drop of a hat. But yeah, for uh, this is this was our all time favorite movies, by the way. Yeah, but I just can't help but look forward and think about in twenty years what if there's any movies nowadays that will be in my all time favorite. Yeah, they might. And I'm gonna call it right land. now. Yeah. I think Spider Man Into the Spider Verse will be my all time favorite Ooh. animated film, and will be up there in this pantheon that I'll be naming. But I don't feel comfortable naming it as an all time favorite movie because it hasn't been all time. You gotta let it pass. But you gotta have that. I'm gonna say it out there. I'll have this video. I'll go back to it and be like, I called it. <laughs> that is a fantastic movie. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. Hmm. I, I'm sure that if I thought about it more, there'd be some other ones, and maybe YouTube. Well yeah, I can tell you my newest, highest movie, which is still I, you know, pushing ten years old, uh, is No Country for Old Men. Ooh, okay, that's a good one, a very good mm. one. Mm. All, All right. right, that's a great way to wrap it up, then. Eh? Okay, thank you for coming, everybody. We really appreciate us sticking with us for these last few episodes and whatever comes beyond. As always, thanks to Ashea for running so many things at once and for weighing in a lot today. Uh, Also, thanks to everyone who came and watched live, everyone who liked and subscribed. There's no I in running things. There's an I in ruining things. It's a fine line. <laughs> there is That's an true. I. There is an I in running things. Oh wait, there is. In running things, Bloody there's two eyes. eyes. <laughs> I have things. multiple eyes. A thousand eyes in one. <laughs> running. Yeah. How do you stretch that eye out? Share runs things. Stuff. Share runs stuff. Stuff and. Not yeah. ruining things. <laughs> Only stuff. Not no, things. I, things okay. are fine. The stuff. Just never mind everything. I'm ruining things. Never mind. <laughs> I've got too much eye. Let's uh, <laughs> let's give some shout outs to our our beard guard, Sean, and then we will say adios for until Monday. I love my beard guard. They're wonderful, aren't they? Lady Suzanne, my hand, um, Lord Commander George the Golden. Good question today, George. Thank you. Sir Joshua Oakhart, the White Oak, the fabulous Lady Rita of the Copper Main, the Unbound, Dance the Fervor, 
a, a dance that will come to life. The fervor will be a thing. Yes. Yeah, not just a, not just an idea. <laughs> Sir Joff, warden of the AC, wielder of triad, the multifaceted beard of platinum red and brown. Stay frosty. Sir Tim Corgoyle, mad boy of the western desert. Queen Helena von Lanstein, partying like it's 1999 since 1980-something. A kingdom for a drink. When the stay frosty, I, I just think of world's uh, most interesting man. Stay frosty, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the northern version yeah. of the world's most interesting man. <laughs> if the world's most interesting man came from last hearth. <laughs> it's what, what Oberon would say. would say as he left Winterfell to go back home. <laughs> Stay frosty, my friends. <laughs> okay, everyone. Thanks very much. Only two episodes left. But the future is still bright for Game we of Thrones fandom. We did also get one last super chat. Oh, we did. All right, Dan Hards again. That's all. It was oh, just that. It, no question. No well, thank question. you, Dan. We appreciate it, and we appreciate everyone who likes and subscribes and spreads the word. Word of mouth is the best way to spread a podcast and YouTube video, we especially one of our size. We need your mouths. We need your mouths. The words that come from them. No, we say need, good no, things. we just need the mouths. Just the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and also a shout out to Joe Magician, aka Joe the Gathering who put out a fantastic video on Jon Snow's arc that I recommend to everyone. Uh, it's generating great discussion and is worth your time, for sure. So check him out again. He's been on our show before, but he's easy to find on YouTube, Joe Magician. Valar re us and Valar re us everyone. 